this is my episode. We're going to cold open. And I know this might be a little awkward for you staring at me right now. It is. I, I mean, luckily, you can only see waist up, which is what's important. I mean, not even the waist, chest up, luckily. Chest up, luckily. Yeah, you don't have to see my midriff section, yeah. which is which is really important because Seems otherwise you'd, it is a little exposed. Um, <laughs> and since we're just, you know, it's it's getting to be towards the end of the year. Yeah, I want to be a man of my word. Mm-hmm. Um, this has been coming maybe, a long time. It's been coming a long time. It's been uh, pun intended, maybe. Um, tease, pu- I hope not. dude. Puns, puns are plenty. Um, since we're just like tying up loose threats. Like let like you brought that pop punk episode in right last time, which is definitely a loose threat. Um, it was very real. It was it was you made it super real, <laughs> too real. Uh, no longer loose. I am coming full circle here. God, I got to stop saying coming. I'm naked. I wish you I'm wouldn't naked. say coming so much yeah. when you're naked. Okay, so you see that I'm naked. Yeah. Now the listener knows that I'm naked. I'm doing the whole episode naked today because, and I can't remember what episode we discussed this Most on. Most of them. I th- most of them, but I think it was Ben Haywood, one of our Patreon members who originally broached the subject where he said, hey, you should do this naked, right? Is that right, what that Right, because it was happened? like, why not? We're, we're remote. And just to let the listener know, we are back remote. Um, cases are surging. So, yeah, surgeon. We're just, yeah. we're back playing it safe. And I believe I promised the next time we did this satellite. Right. I forgot about it, I, and I wish I remembered so I could have prepared my eyes a little bit more, but yeah, that's... You can only see my salamis. <laughs> like, you actually can't even really see my about salamis. Half a salami. I'm a one-topping pizza man over right. here. Um, but I also did promise our Patreon members uh, a photo of this. Right. So, whether they want it or not, and they can have the choice. We're not going to force this on people. Unfortunately, it's going to have to be you. I'm going to up to the Patreon. On, you know, so <laughs> no, you're going to have it. to... No, you're going to have to ask because you That's can't true. just send porn to people. So I'm going to have to I'm going to have to step away from the mic for a second so I can so I can, so can take a tasteful this. nude. I've got I, I've got my I've got my camera all set up. I got my phone all set up. So you're just going to have to keep the listener company for a second. Okay. Yeah. Um, I guess while he's going to do this, I might as well throw up the internet and start an OnlyFans for the Goat Parade because uh, I don't know where else to put this. Oh picture. yeah, this one's going to be good. I can hear him do it. Are you at least going to cover up with something? or? I'm going to get blackmailed for this one. Yeah, definitely. Uh, right. Are you going to put something in front of front of your junk area? Or? All right, it's coming to you, dude. That was it's coming quick. to you right now. Was that? Yeah, I know. You didn't, it even, was the, you didn't even it was the, check it out and see if you needed to take another <laughs> nope, one? You're just sure nope, that one worked? No, nope, I'm just I'm sending it to you right now. Are you ready for it? No, I'm not. Because there's so much, there, there, there's so much to pop into these pixels. Uh, it might take a second to send to you, but it's already in the outbox. Okay, so great. so it's I just already wa- in the cloud. It's in the cloud, but I I want to see your reaction in real time. Uh huh. Because yeah, I, wow, this actually came out pretty pretty tastefully. <laughs> well, that's that's positive. <laughs> oh, here it goes. Here, oh my dear God. Yeah, dude, look at that. Wow, uh-huh. I'm glad you put that guitar there. You look <laughs> shocked. <laughs> you got to be cold. I'm freezing. I don't mean that the guitar is covered. I mean, just in general. Thanks, Cam. Like I really appreciate you making me sound uh, really. Uh, yeah, you actually look pretty good. I mean, Thanks, I dude. might send this to people and say it's me. Yeah, all you have to do is a little bit of Photoshop. <laughs> it wouldn't take much. It wouldn't really. take much. Dude, I'm not even going to mess with the hair. I just again, I'm not looking for attention here. I just wanted to be a man of my word. 
I wanted to bring yeah, looking for attention with this with this half nude photo. I just in my trailer, yeah. quarantining in my trailer with a red guitar that matches my bedspread. No, I'm not it's looking. Pretty rock I'm and not, roll. I do like this. It is pretty rock and roll. Maybe yeah. that could be. Uh, it's uh, a uh, rustic look in that trailer. <laughs> you know, very wooden. I, I think everything it. about this look is rustic. Yeah. Listen, right, dude. Well. I just wanted to bring a little bit of warmth to this chilly intro, this cold open. I, it's because I did the pop punk thing, isn't it? That's yeah. Why? And that's why you had before to send me we this even news. roll the intro music. I just want to say I was about to contest the results, but there are just way too many coups happening in this country right now. I just didn't. Right. I, it's, it can't follow. I them couldn't all. add to the coup. You yeah. know, you could probably get Texas to help you. Okay, I think I think that's a that, that's a pretty yeah, good. Way. I think yeah. we can roll the. Music Let's roll and the get music. Your year in review going. Yeah. So before we even get into what this episode is about, I want to I want to talk about someone real quick. You and I engage with our our fans, whatever mm-hmm. that means, our our three fans. Our we always talk fans. about we talk about our Patreon members all the time. We talk about Ben Haywood, we talk about Shauna Pear, we talk about Jocelyn, mm-hmm. we talk about all of these people, right, who contribute and who engage with us, but there's one person I feel like we haven't talked about okay. over the course of even since we started the Patreon. Um, and that's Katie Stone. Yes. Katie, are, are you out there, Katie? She's our biggest contributor and she never interacts with us. And I feel like we've just, we've really, we've brushed her to the side and we need to dedicate this episode to Katie Stone. I love that. So thank you for doing that. This episode is for Katie Stone. Katie, I'm sorry. Maybe that that your episode started out with me naked and will continue with me naked. <laughs> maybe uh, she'll like it. Maybe it'll. Maybe be that's a, a good thing. thing. Yeah. yeah. Like, yes, who, who this knows? is the one I want. This is the one. Yeah. Out of all the ones, the holy grail she gets. Maybe she hasn't interacted with us because you haven't made good on your promise of, <laughs> yeah, right. of taking that tasteful you think, photo. Do you, do you think people are just sitting there cursing the goat parade because we've been talking, we've been threatening me doing an entire episode nude for like six months yeah, now? Like, I hasn't. keep coming back. They did the pop punk one, but there's still no nude. And nudity. Al still hasn't done it nude. And this is going to be a little uncomfortable for me. Luckily, this is my episode, this is Side B, and I am just commandeering the format here. Not only um, is it Side B, it is Al's year in review because this is year in time. I mean, this is year in time. 2020 is finally almost over. The collective worst year of everybody's life, which is yeah. the only unity in it, is that everybody can agree that this is the worst year. This yet. is the worst year. Let's say yeah. yet. Could yet. Be, oh, know, it's going to get maybe, so much worse. Maybe next dude. year will be even worse. Dude, all those eggheads at NASA are basically telling us that we're fucked. You oh, know, yeah. we're we're done. You know, the EPA, <laughs> the EPA is just they're they've they're all resigning. Everyone's yeah. just kind of like hanging up their science coats and science coats. Science, yes. Obviously, we are well versed. <laughs> am I? Am I also my, in Texas? One of my favorite comedians, Nate Bargatze, he has a bit about um, how good we actually are doing on Earth compared to other planets. 
Oh, which, okay. Which is hilarious. But he ends it really well by being like, you know, we should be more positive because those planets haven't even started and we're almost done. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one fucking way to put it. Yeah. Um, odd positivity. Well, for my year end, and I'm doing this whole episode just to explain to the listener what we're going to be doing. I'm just for sitting this- back. Yeah, you're just you're not doing shit this no, episode. You're making not. fun of me. You're staring at my nipples. Yep. Um, and you're probably looking at that photo as much I, as possible I, I that I just say you. Yeah. I mean, I just can't take a couple more glances. <laughs> I put your picture away. Was it? <laughs> wow. Did I just? Was that Kid Rock and Cheryl Crow? What? Okay, <laughs> Is never that mind. A thing? Never mind. No, no. no. I, so, someone out there, someone out there knows what I'm talking There's about. There's a okay, Kid Rock so, Cheryl Crow song. There is, and I believe it's called Picture, and I believe the line is, I put your picture away. So uh-huh. we're now... Of obscure, I, I was going through these clips you sent, because obviously, you know, you're going you're gonna to hit us with some clips. Some, you know, why don't you tell us about that before I go? We're going to take each episode, my side B right now, your side B next episode, and use it for our own purposes of intent and interest. Meaning that I'm sure next, you love... You you think you're so fucking hit that I know you're gonna do your year end review best it's gonna albums be so best boring singles and it's gonna regular. Do, it's just gonna be so regular so I didn't want to do that also I'm not as hip as you I'm not on the up and up as you are so I wanted to take this episode to appreciate some of the uh-huh. moments that we've had over the past right. almost year. Um, and that's going to be my list today. We're going to revisit some of our favorite moments from mm-hmm. conversations or segments. We're going to play some tunes that we've really loved. I might just Ooh, go ahead and okay. again and cry mutiny on the format at large. Right. You've and been doing that since since February, since we started. So I mean, really? why, stop, why stop now? Have I, I thought I've been following your rules, Mr. Rulemaker. <laughs> you're you've the hated only... on every rule I've ever put I down. I know. Because Mostly you're because just... I break them. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That you set up, you're you're like this self-proclaimed anarchist who's like, I'm going to make rules just so I can break them right. Yeah, I'm like an I'm anarchist that starts a starts a newspaper. <laughs> right? Yeah. What? What? That doesn't make any sense. No. The bureau. So the it's you know what, involved. dude? It's my turn. Uh-huh. It's my no, turn. Believe to me, by fuck these songs, the format. These songs that I've I had to just go on iTunes and purchase for uh, the playing of. Thank today. you for doing that. By the um, way. Yeah, I mean, this is this is your show today. I, I, I but but like I said, it's going to be like a clip show, you know, like 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 when the Simpsons started to get bad, you know, they started doing <laughs> right. Clip they had to dive back into previous episodes right, when they were and, funny, and that's what I had to do for this episode because at the end of last episode, you just sprung this on me. By the way, you're like, oh yeah, and for the next episode, Al, just do whatever you want. Just make sure it's your year in review. And I'm sitting over here, the most uncreative person I know. And yeah, I'm like, I believe I told you, I get creative. <laughs> Yeah, that was my only I, advice. I don't have a creative bone in my body, that so can't I'm just. Be true. I, I've heard your music. Ve- it's very true. So I'm just sitting over here, and I've been thinking about what to do, and then I just felt, and this is weird to say as I'm naked right now, but I mm-hmm. felt this sweltering enlargement of my bosom uh, when I thought of you, and I just felt my heart. It, uh, speaking of Christmas, since we're almost coming up to it, I felt it like the Grinch Stop coming. Uh, God, it's getting nearer to Christmas. <laughs> I felt it like the Grinch in my tiny, shriveled little black heart mm-hmm. started to open up and become more robust when I thought of Cameron Demetric and all the memories and moments that we've shared ov- over the past almost year. So I wanted to make this episode a year in review of some of the things that I've enjoyed most. Right. So that's what we're doing today. 
But to bring it full circle, just just one clip I had to pull out just just to see what it was. Uh-huh. Was do you remember the very first thing that we said to each other on the very first episode? No, because and now mind you, I did this. This episode took a lot of work. I know I, you I do. You do all the editing on all the episodes. I don't do a fucking thing for this podcast. Minus make <laughs> my lists and bring in the priv checks and bring in some interesting points of discussion. You do all the work because this is your baby. I did all the work today. Or for this episode, but I did not that the first episode is the episode that I actually skipped mm-hmm. because I knew it was going to be the longest and most uh, arduous to get through. Right. So but I don't just remember. Out of curiosity, I, I did pull up the the the, uh, the first episode and uh, there's an artist we just come in off of the bat talking about and. Uh-huh. Just gonna see if you remember Wicked Games. Yeah, of course. What other song is there by Chris Isaac? <laughs> yeah, well, I'll give you fifteen dollars right now <laughs> if you can name me another Chris Isaac tune. It's the first thing we talked about. I feel like that set the tone. It doesn't seem like it's. I mean, it did, but it didn't. Doesn't seem like anything we'd ever talk about again. So, I just what are you talking was... about? That this is why our episodes are nine hours long because we get into these discourses that are about Chris Isaac's Wicked Games. Also, can you name me another Chris Isaac song? I still can't. I still yeah, can't. Okay. Okay. Yeah, well, at no. least you don't owe me fifteen, and I don't owe you 15. since February. I have not, <laughs> not looked into another one. <laughs> it would have taken two seconds to do that research. It would have been so easy. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, today's I've I've worked hard on this. You've worked hard on this. I can't wait to again just I'm holding ransom mm-hmm. on this episode is basically what I'm getting at. Right. Um I am stealing everything that we've worked so hard for right. here over the past almost year to completely shatter the glass in case of emergency and bring everything I want to talk about and do to the table. Hey, that's that's your year in review. I mean, if anything talks about the entire horrible year we've had, that the only shining light of it all has been you and me talking about Chris Isaac's Wicked Game, among other <laughs> stupid shit. Of which we're going to dig into today. Deeply. Deeply. Very deeply. But in also an effort to keep this as succinct and concise as possible, should we just go ahead and get into Goatworthy? We're still going to do some Goatworthy, so let's do We it. are going to do some Goatworthies. Let's party. I'm gonna now. I'm gonna make you go first today, okay? Because you sent me your song. Mm-hmm. I sent you a couple, and you I had sent to me a couple, and since. I had to choose. Thank you for that, by the way. But you oh, knew yeah, I what thought. I was going to choose. Actually, I didn't because they're so they were so different, and I thought this is Al's shit, and this is probably Al's shit too. So let's let's see how his how his uh, how his mood strikes on this. Well, the Thundercat song you sent me was incredible. Yeah, by right. The way. So I've, I've never good. actually been a huge Thundercat fan. I've seen him live a couple times, and I mean, obviously, an incredible bass player. Yeah, but, one of the best. You know, right now. you know, I feel like we're on the same page. Where when an artist is so good at their instrument, it starts to kind of become boring. Yeah, I'm not at a jazz club, right, you know, exactly. drinking twenty three dollars sidecars. That's why I was so shocked by this new Thundercat. I was, I was like, okay, now we're just grooving. We're not worried it's about pure how funk. good you are at the bass. Right. And what the lyrics are fun. What was that Thundercat song for honorable uh, mention Dragon purposes? Ball Do-Rag? Dragon Ball Do-Rag. Yeah. Uh, that's not what I chose. It's not well, what I chose. I sent, you because these, the, I sent you these because, uh, you know, all these year in 100 best songs of the year lists right. are out because they always come out around Thanksgiving. I don't know why. There's still another month. But 
so I, I, you know, I'm like, what did I miss? What did I miss? Going through all this music and these two songs, the Thundercat song and the one I'm going to play, hit me the hardest. I'm like, how did I miss this? And so I knew I had to pick one and I let you pick it. Is that what you've been doing? Because I follow you on Spotify. I follow Goat Parade on Spotify. So mm-hmm. in my sidebar, I always see what you're listening to, uh, which is why I talked shit on you earlier today for listening right. to Taylor Swift's new record last uh, night. Once again, I said that's for research. <laughs> oh, sure. For research. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's that's fine. We can go ahead and leave it at that. Uh-huh. Uh, but I figured because, again, you're Mr. Year in List, that you've been... <laughs> digging so deep into like all the pitchforks and all the consequences of sounds and all of the the, the they're all the same list really i mean it's yeah it's it's almost strange is is there uh are there any other tunes that you can remember remember off the top of your head that made the list minus these two that that slapped you pretty hard i mean there was there was quite a bit of stuff that i i had missed um but i mean you know like it didn't rock my i i have my own top 40 of 2020 you know and those these these two songs that we're talking about are the only ones that snuck in there late you know um other than that it was just stuff that i i enjoyed but and i'll look into as the artists probably drop albums next year but but nothing that totally swept me off my feet definitely not anything as much as the song we're about to play by bill this song yeah this bill callahan song that cam sent me that we're about to play out there y'all um is incredible and thank you for letting me choose even though again you knew that i was going to choose this i one. thought this song was probably right up your alley dude this is anarchistic cowboy poetry yeah. this is like western that's a great way to put his sound it, in general he's it is pure anarchism as Let far ask, as uh, yeah have you have you been a fan of his for a while or is he no. sort of new to you He's super new to me. The only I, this is the second Bill Callahan song I've ever heard. Interesting. The first was earlier this year. I know he's been around for a while. Oh, big time. I know. I mean, I knew him from the band Smog, who I wasn't. A huge oh, he was fan in of. Smog. Yeah, yeah. I think he was the the front man of Smog. But oh, gotcha. Um, okay. I never really had a time with Smog, but the last couple of Bill Callahan records I've I've listened to have been really really interesting. Just as a lyricist and a songwriter, kind of like that uh, old man talky sound. <laughs> but Old man talky sound is a way to put it. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely stream of consciousness um, over, you know, these fiddling tinny chords that seemingly have no end game. Like right. it's just, he, he literally picks up a guitar, has some type of progression in his mind and then tells a short story over it, Absolutely, which exactly is the, the kind of music that I wish I could write if I, I know. had the confidence it's, to write that. Yeah. I think, I think you got time. I mean, he's in his late fifties, you know, that's incredible. And he reminds me of the dude that I like that I've played a song on here. Dan reader. You exactly. remember that? And that I think that was maybe episode. the, f- that was the first episode. So we're doing this full circle thing. On this full year. circle, dude. Yeah. Well, what, let's, 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 let's uh, play it and then we'll talk yeah. about its content. Okay. Well, Still. buckle up y'all. This is Bill Callahan. What's the song name, Cam? The song name is the McKenzie's. My car broke down. In front of my house I was turning it over and over When an older man came running out He said, don't you do that, son You'll only make it worse 
call my buddy Koji He can fix anything And he owes me And my, just look at the time It's almost beer 30 You must be thirsty Come on inside with me Join the family Inside it seemed a place had already been laid for me We never met before Despite living next door See I'm the type of guy Sees a neighbor outside And stays inside and hides I'll run that errand another time As Jack and I bonded over our love Of Mel Torme In the early movies of Kid Brenda brought the drinks in on a tray And said for dinner you must stay It was such a comfy and cozy den And I wished that Jack would call me son Again After dinner we talked some more Brenda stretched and quickly said Let me show you to your bed There were photos on the wall Of a boy, maybe twenty-one or so Leaning against a brand new Camaro I could tell by his eyes That he had died Some time ago And his room kept alive I peeked outside through the blinds at my house next door in the sun Wife in the rec room Kids would be home from school soon I thought I'll just shut my eyes for five When I opened them again Night had come Brought two figures to the door And they said, son It's okay It's okay Son Son We're okay We're okay 
Wow. Uh, Bill Callahan, and that song is called The McKinsey's. And uh, I listened to this when you sent it to me yesterday so I could make a choice, but listening to it naked uh, gives <laughs> the song a completely different meaning. Um, I'm going to be honest, it's a little bit hard to take it seriously while I'm looking at you naked, but You're it's only still, looking at me chest up, chest right, up. Still. Let's be real here. Um, yeah, for some reason, the ending of that song just makes me ball. Yeah, I... Um, it's hard not. It's hard to listen to something like that and not be forced into such a deep state of contemplation, right. uh, because there's a universality in the, I, I guess the uh, not not the the simplicity of the lyrics, but the delivery of of right. what he's what the story that he's trying to convey, like. It's almost beer 30, you must be thirsty. Mm-hmm. Or as my favorite line is, I'm the type of guy that sees a neighbor outside and stays part. inside and hides. Yeah. I'll run that, that errand another time. Because yeah. I feel that 100%. Yeah, no, so do I. <laughs> Especially like, this year, you know? Yeah, most like, of the time you don't, don't want to have that. Yeah, and it's a forced interaction. Um, I read I read a, a small interview with him about that song. And, you know, that that it is about a neighbor across the street that he just lived by, for, or a couple that he lived by for years and he never talked to. And, and the first time he did talk to him was when his car was flooded. And yeah, the, the, I mean, the story is all pain. Like that's the thing about Bill Callahan. He's lyrically a genius, but he's really just telling you a very basic story. Right. But yeah. the way he tells it has all this like humanity in it and all this. Yes. Like, humanity is the word I was looking for. Thank you, Cameron. That's yeah. the perfect way to put it, man. Uh, um, that one you gets can, me though. You can hear the crackling of his recollection in yeah. his voice. And the crackling as, of like wherever whatever chair he's recording in. Yeah. You yeah. Know, I and love that little detail. Those It seems like he set up room mics just to like just even to outside of re- just yeah, even outside of recording the guitar. Like yeah. like he went back and did a whole nother track of just, just chair crackles. Chair. Yeah. Um which is for effect but also it makes the song because it's also it's unnerving a mm-hmm. little bit the, the end of the song that i'm saying makes me ball is very unnerving because if i have the story correct his car breaks down his neighbor right. comes out and says right. my neighbor or a friend of mine owes me a favor come inside Koji. have a drink you know and then they end up kind of drinking together he ends up seeing that from the pictures on the wall that they had a son, a son who yes who, who died has passed right and it's almost like he's getting this feeling that they're feeling very paternal to him. Yeah. Um, And then they they invite him to even, like, take a nap because he's been drinking with them. And then he wakes up with them, not necessarily them, but two people in the door, which at this point we don't know if it's a dream state or... Right. I mean, the the end is so interesting because I find it... He he does paint such a basic story, and then at the end it seems like it's very subjective. Like, son, it's okay. The it's okay part just gets me because it's like, is that the the couple talking to him or the couple talking to the idea of, you know, somebody in their son's old room? Or is it him talking to the couple? Yeah. Like trying to console them about the loss of their son. Because he does fetishize the idea of being called son in the song. He liked it in the beginning when when his car was broken down and, and... I'm assuming the guy's name is Mackenzie, was was like, son, stop that. He mentions it in the song that he's like, I wish he'd call me son again. I, he kind of yeah. liked that. He, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And also know, the, the intentional... There's a lot to unpack there. There's so much to unpack. And the intentional 
what is it, last 20 or 30 seconds of silence in the song? Like right. it's, There's a lot it of seem, silence. There's a yeah. lot of silence. And it seems like, I mean, obviously... Uh, in a traditional record sense or approach to a record, you keep a little bit of silence there uh, to separate the tracks, especially if there right. is maybe a fade but out. There's ending. more than a little bit, you know. Yeah, that's not your five seconds of silence that you leave for your mastering guy to make sure that everything's okay before the next track starts. This is right. intentional, very calculated thirty seconds or so of silence to give you a little bit of time to think about what the fuck just happened before the next song starts. And that right. seems and I, to me that infers that like maybe he, th this is maybe one of the more important songs on the record for someone to look back believe, on after they listen to it. I believe it's kind of the centerpiece of the record. Uh, I haven't heard the whole record that came out this year. It's called gold record, which um, I think is fucking genius because and the cover art so is Bill incredible. Callahan. Yeah. It's so Bill Callahan to be like, you know, somebody could ask him, like, do you have any gold records? He's like, well, I have one. I've got one. I put it out last year. <laughs> it's called Gold Record, baby. <laughs> Thank you for letting me choose that, man. Um, I knew, I figured you'd probably choose that, and I, I thought it'd be a really special thing to hear on your It's a special thing review. to hear, but it's also something special that I'm going to keep re-listening to. Like, yeah. I've, over the course of the past, and this is why I wanted to do this, over the course of the past almost year, man, like, you've brought songs to the table that i would have missed otherwise that have yeah, become same, same to you my friend centerpieces I mean, like i've I, learned I, so much i've wanted to tell you the, uh, my top 40 songs of 2020 there's three or four in there at least that were your goat worthies all right like, like the back to work song by a bc bc uh, Camplight. Camp yeah I, I, I still love that song i yeah, still me listen too, to that song actually, all the time there's, yeah. there's just a couple that i i've gone back to uh quite a bit so yeah, I mean, this has been a really positive year with you, you know, doing the goat parade. I love it. <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. I wish you had more uh, clothes on, but. <clears throat> hey, man, listen, I've just got plenty of hamburger helper here for everybody. This taco meat isn't going nowhere. Oh, no, it is not. And again, you're going to have to ask our Patreon members if they want this photo. You can't just send it to them because I believe that's pornography no Although, the guitar covering is it makes it fine yeah. i mean if it's just a tasteful photo you could post this photo to instagram no problem really i don't think you get flagged are you sure i don't know <laughs> okay all right well don't try please let's don't see try if, let's let our patreon members decide whether or not this is a flaggable <laughs> offense on instagram well i'm gonna we're gonna let them decide and then you can put it up on your stories if not I okay mean, just to since i'm oh, not yeah, on it's, the, it's gonna be going on the stories for sure listen i'm not on the internet right now i don't give a fuck you can't tag me yeah. i can't see people's responses that's fine this is great so that's true uh i wish i would have manscaped if I knew that this was going to be, you I wouldn't. Know, like, I wouldn't know if you did or not. Now I know. Now I have to imagine that you didn't manscape in this. I photo. didn't manscape. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think the photo picks up my shoulder and back hair, so oh, right. I should be okay. <laughs> and I'm just doing that for locks of love. I'm just growing that out for locks of love. I make two pays out of my shoulder hair. Oh wow, that's yeah. just disgusting. <laughs> it's kind of gross, right? But uh, but who knew that. Uncle Al's shoulder hair makes really incredible comb over toupees. Yeah. Oh wow, that's that Nashville hot chicken right there. That's right. <laughs> Yum, baby. <laughs> Yum. 
All right. Oh, well, that God. Callahan tune was something awesome. I'm going to do something a little different for. Oh, you're going to break all the rules, aren't you? I'm, uh, yeah, I'm breaking all the rules today uh, oh, because that's that's kind of my thing. You nice. break all the fucking rules whenever you want to. And today, mm. I'm finally I'm I'm finally becoming myself. Yes. Um, I got to stop saying coming. And you said it so many times. Do you want me to bleep I, them all? I no no, no don't do that. That's a lot of coming. <laughs> it's been a long time coming. Um, okay. One thing that really kills me. Mm-hmm. That I can't stand actually is all the the Spotify. This is what you listen to this year, 100%. like where they do the little slideshow the with their little they're, graphics, they're and it shows how much time you wasted on Spotify and how much time you wasted on other artists and how much time people wasted on your music and all which of that. I can't stand enough. it. No, I, I love. It, yeah, which like <laughs> one of my favorite bands, Cloud Nothing's, tweeted, uh, "Your Spotify year end review should." be a bill of how much you owe artists you know yeah that's exactly what it should <laughs> or be something to that effect which which is absolutely true it's 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 a frustrating thing to see from an artist standpoint and it's an embarrassing thing to see from a it is really standpoint. embarrassing i guess maybe to the layman listener out there who's not an artist or a musician or who doesn't utilize the platform of spotify uh to distribute their music maybe it's like something really nice and fun at the end of the year uh-huh. but for jaded old fucking you know codgers like us it can be really infuriating although that being said um there is one song that got me through this year and that was incredibly apparent when I accidentally clicked on my year in review and was like, okay, I'm going to stay for this. And apparently I texted you yesterday that I had listened to the song 273 times. Yep. My dyslexia- and gentlemen, it is all I want for Christmas by Mariah Carey. Of course it is. <laughs> uh, but the karaoke version, right? Of course. Um, I my dyslexia no, was obviously true. creeping up on me yesterday. It's two hundred and thirty seven times, not seventy three. Oh. I did listen to Still, this that's song. A good, that's you know, it's almost once day. a day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's what. Yeah, and because there were multiple days where I listened to it multiple times, especially in a row. Mm. Um, so I listened to the song two hundred and thirty seven times this year up until what whenever they did this like a week ago so we still even have some time for me to listen to it some you more and i have to 365 oh I, I could try and i wouldn't mind no it's a fantastic um, song i'm, I'm it's excited an incredible to have song. this on the go parade i've it always was actually, loved this song oh so this is something that you've been a fan of for a while 100 percent. i love this okay song. cool i actually uh, one of my favorite bands pup put out an ep this year and they covered this song on it Oh no shit! I would pretty, really like to hear that. I love pretty good pop. cover for a, for a punk punk rock cover of the song, but the original, of course, one of the absolute staples of this band, the song. See, I was okay before we even get into this further. Uh, this song is by a band called Granddaddy, mm-hmm. and this tune is called AM One Eighty. Yeah, um, maybe I'm like such a noob with all of this, but I wasn't even introduced uh, uh, into the Granddaddy's catalog until last year wow which really? and i'm yeah and i'm i okay. had never heard granddaddy before i'd seen the name obviously mm-hmm. especially next to bands like cracker and like you know butthole mm-hmm. surfers and some like other kind of bands they, of that area and the genre. modest mouse built a spill gotcha they're, they're modesto's finest baby <laughs> oh they're from modesto yeah can you believe that nasty wow i guess i can actually now 
that I think about some of the sonic tonalities. I've only listened to two yeah. records since I got into them last year. The record that this is off of, their debut, their 97 debut, which is Under the Western Freeway. And I just recently listened to, well, recently, fuck, this year's been a time warp. Maybe about eight months ago, I listened to The Software Slump for the first time, um, um, if which you- they just re-released right um software with slump on a wooden piano yes and which the, is reimaginings of the songs yeah uh, all just on a wooden piano and it, the guy that um is producing the giant waste of man album a friend of mine bobby cheeks actually mixed that oh cool he had that opportunity and it sounds great if you get a chance you gotta listen to the sophomore slump on a wooden piano um it's 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 more than just uh uh, Jason Little sitting down. Wait, is it sophomore or software slump? It's sophomore, sophomore yeah. isn't it? S O P H T. Yeah, they they yeah. they're they're a clever bunch, but um, very clever. Yeah, I mean it's just these really beautiful reimaginations on this old Steinway, and and I I, I mean I love I, I I personally hope he does it again with someday, which is my favorite Granddaddy album. It's the third album after Sophomore Slump. Gotcha. Um, but that's always been that's how I started with Granddaddy with someday. <laughs> Well, um, I didn't start with Granddaddy until, and I'm going to bring Taylor Brown into the mix. I'm going to try to talk about all of our our, our heavy listeners in this episode. Yes. I think I've already done Katie Stone, brought up Ben Haywood. Here comes Taylor Brown. Uh, Taylor Brown last year at some point, he had heard some music that I was working on, and I think he liked it. So he hit me up sidebar and was like, hey, I should produce a song for you one day. And mm-hmm. I thought, fuck yeah, that sounds great. I would yeah. obviously love to work with one of my best friends, and Taylor's a fucking genius. So I sent him a song that he hated because I didn't hear anything back from him on it, <laughs> period. But I was thinking that this what this tune cool that thing. I sent him, well, I sent him a demo and it was rough. I just like it the was, idea, you're like, somebody's like, I want to produce this for you. And you're like, okay, here's the song. And you're like, never mind. <laughs> never mind. Yeah. And actually, what I believe he texted back was, maybe there'll be other options in the future. <laughs> that's that's very, <laughs> I, love, I love Taylor. That's perfect. Yeah, it, it's super Taylor. But... I thought I heard the song kind of going in a Portishead direction, and he said, actually, I hear it in more of a granddaddy right. uh, at, at, at way, or at least approach. And I had never heard granddaddy, so that's when I listened to Under the Western Freeway. Again, this was last year, but AM 180, this song that we're about to play, didn't really catch my attention until shit got bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I needed something. I kind of needed a mantra. Right. And this song has become my mantra. And thanks for letting me play it. I know it's not new. Oh, uh, it's I don't obviously mind at 23 all. Any years excuse old. to listen to this song is, is fine with me. So Well, this is probably going to be my 238th time listening to this song. Um, but it to me, it's the perfect tune. Yeah. I, I love I love co- choruses without vocals. I love oh, wordless choruses. Wordless choruses it's, are my shit too. I love you know big choruses are great. I mean, how uh, about some, that synth sound too? It's the just synth like, sound is untouchable. It's so childlike yet so yes. familiar and just just kind of anthemic. It is, and it's just it's perfectly procured, um, and it's such an earworm. Too mm-hmm. oh, like this. Time. This song's an incredible earworm uh, because of that that synth melody. But also the drum mix is fucking perfect. The guitar tone is the the chugginess of the guitar tone beats any Weezer record. Oh, you yeah. know, like it's, Weezer wishes with this song. You know? Exactly. Um, and uh, before we beat this horse anymore yeah, to death, it. let's just play it. This is Granddaddy AM one eight. <laughs> Thank you. 
bombs, walk marathons, and take on whatever together. Together, whatever. Together, it should. It's. I, I mean, tell me, tell me, you can't listen to that songs to that song two hundred and thirty-seven times. A I year. could, and in fact, I haven't heard it in long enough that that was a real treat. So thank. Isn't you it me. nice? It's it's truly the perfect song as it far really as is. I'm concerned. It's a perfect pop song. It should have been on the radio. It's better than anything that on the pop radio that came out that year. What was that, 97? Yeah, 97, yeah. And that was right before shit got really bad for everybody. <laughs> you know, that was right before new Metal. That yeah. was, like, right at the start of all of it. But that. I love how Granddaddy has such, a, like, a simplistic and, like, almost poppy tone, but their guitar is usually sludgy and just, like, so nasty. super fuzzy. I mean, they're kind of a anomaly as far as their fidelity. Like, nobody really does it like Granddaddy. Um, definitely check out Someday. If you haven't, and that's the third record the third you said. Record. I'm also a huge fan of their EP. After that, excerpts from Toddzilla, one <laughs> wonderful EP. This is great. No, this is more. This is more that I can dive into, so I can continue to be rejected by Taylor Brown whenever I send him songs. Right. That yeah, this is great. At least I'll have my granddaddy knowledge up yeah. to snuff. <laughs> also, listening to that song. That's the first time out of the 238 times that i've now listened to that song first time i've listened to it naked this year i don't believe you <laughs> okay I, that's a lie that's definitely a lie i've i've flopped around to that one yeah certainly yeah uh -huh. i didn't have to say flopped um you didn't okay well uh the goat worthy's been fun but now it's time to keep this train a moving yeah let's let's and keep it short let's keep it sweet Let's keep it sweet. Um, let's get your list of mania, whatever it is. Once again, I'm standing back and just having drinks. You're the one that's yeah. uh, in charge of all this. All right, let's get into list list of mania. I've got ten memories. Okay, but the memories can be—they're uh, a little cascading or obscure, right. or they're—they're they're not exactly so cemented. And what, like, some of them are kind of, you know, overarching reminiscence about what we've, what we've done this year. Some of them are thank yous. Mm. Some of them are apologies to myself for burying myself too much on the internet. Mm. It's just a, it's a, it's a grab bag, dude. We're going to call it, we're going to call it the surprise box. Al's mystery box. I don't like you saying that while you're naked, but naked. Yeah, yeah, that made no, and that made no sense. So <laughs> let's, let's uh, go ahead and get into Al's just, mystery yeah, box. Let's just get into Al's mystery box. <laughs> yeah, wow. Okay. Um, um, okay. This list could be called just to like, maybe clear the air a little bit. I know I'm being really confusing this episode. The nudity doesn't help it being really chilly in the trailer doesn't help. Um, being really excited, even though we're back over our satellite shit, it, it doesn't help being caffeinated. Doesn't help not being stoned. Doesn't help, but we could call this list a few different things. We could call it 
my retrospection proclamation. Mm. We can call it, it's my party and I'll lie if I want to. <laughs> um, we can call it Al's memory lane drive-by looting. Ooh. We can call it flashback that ass up. I like that. Yeah. Cam, you look good. Flashback that ass up. Right. He's a fine little host. Flashback, flashback that, that ass, ass up. up. Yeah. Um, or something really endearing. We can just call it Cam and Al's almost maniversary. Oh. Oh. I like them all. Mostly it's that our last almost one. Anniversary. The, yeah, it's in, our almost maniversary. Flashback that ass up. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into it without further ado. Number 10. Since you and I are obscure geniuses, most of our episodes have been intellectual deep dives into the occasionally murky waters of inspiration for artists, and yet we've still found a way to draw direct lines and uncover some truth about some artists and their love for food, such as in right. the earlier installments of episode two, which was, I don't know if you remember, it was our funeral mixtape episode, which was Ooh, a total banger, It was where we somehow ended up speaking at length about John Mellencamp's delivery of Chili Dog in Jack and Diane. Uh, and then subsequently, the next episode, This is because we were hot onto something here, man, I'm telling you. In mm. episode three, which was our best song bridges episode, uh, we dove into how Alex Turner from the Arctic Monkeys is always for some reason singing about eating chicken in San Francisco. So in case you don't remember these two very precise instances... Let's flash back that ass up and take a listen right now. John Mellencamp, Jack and Diane. <laughs> right? It's per it's the perfect funeral song, right? <laughs> Little oh, Diddy. Yeah. Laugh goes on. Yeah, everybody was singing Every along. Yeah, yeah, everyone's singing along, but I'm only putting Jack and Diane by John Mellencamp in the track four position. Uh. <laughs> so I could look up from hell and see the faces of everyone who's at my funeral. When John Mellencamp in that song says, I believe it's in verse two, sucking on a chili dog outside the tasty freeze. <laughs> Only because it's the most suggestive usage of chili dog. Why would you suck on a chili dog? I, right? Like, I guess to get the excess chili off the top of the dog so you can attempt to... That's nasty. To, to like, digest this chili dog. But you know what I'm talking about. You know the moment I'm talking oh, yeah, about. Yeah. Sucking on chili dog. Outside <laughs> <laughs> freeze. Um, I'm going to do that one more time and stop at chili dog right. just to, like, make sure we all know. Right. Sucking on chili dog. <laughs> That's... A chili dog. Chili dog. That's how it's said, and I wish... I could see. I wish I could have close-ups of every the, all seven people at my funeral. Yeah, when they um, hear the chili. When they line. hear chili dog, because it happens subconsciously when you listen to that song right. too. Like sucking on chili dog, <laughs> like you immediately have like a very strange look on your face because of how that's interacting with your immediate environment. Sucking on chili dog, chili dog. Wait, right what? chords. I'm not an Arctic Monkeys guy because okay. it sounds like. Like Alex Turner is just really digging into his his British heritage, like, oh, yeah. and he's always singing about chicken in San Francisco for some reason, right. like chicken in San Francisco. <laughs> like every See, I love that. I every song that is about chicken in San Francisco. For I would have bought reason. that single and bugged everyone I know and be like, "Do you hear chicken, chicken, in, chicken in San Francisco?" <laughs> by Arctic Monkeys. I love that song. I do want to say on the Alex Turner one, <laughs> chicken I, in I, San Francisco. I still would listen to that song. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I would too. Ar- Arctic Monkeys just dropped on uh, last Friday uh, their live album, live at uh, Royal Albert Hall. And I don't know if you're a big fan of live albums. I'm not really, um, but I'm such an Arctic Monkeys fan that I've listened to it three times already, and I just I can't get enough of it. It's a perfect set list of like all their best songs. Uh, Chicken in San Francisco is they open with it and they, they close o- and they close with it. <laughs> Fuck yeah! It's like Alien Ant Farm opening with Smooth Criminal and closing with Smooth Criminal. All right, odd example, but yes. <laughs> you know what's funny is that because I follow you on Spotify, as I was just talking shit on you about, uh-huh. um, I've also been seeing you've been listening to a lot of Arctic Monkeys on my sidebar on my Spotify. Right. You're the only person I follow, by the way. So okay. you're the only person who shows up. It's just strange. It's so it's so strange. Yeah, it's very voyeuristic. <laughs> me just like peeking in on your listening. Um, but every time I've seen you listening to one of those new Arctic Monkeys live tracks. What do you think has gone on in my head? Chicken and San Chicken Francisco. Chicken and San Francisco. Uh, but uh, it, who could also forget that Melon Camp chili dough? Chili dough. Sucking on chili, chili dough. dough. I mean, that was that was great. I mean, that that line still bothers me. It still bothers me too. More now what, than it did yeah. before. Okay, now moving on to number nine. Now this one's really important for uh-huh. me, and this is something that you detest mm. and. But this party's about to get a hell of a lot more bright, if you know what oh, I mean. The wow. internet knows too much about me, and us, really, at this point. Right? We can agree on that. The internet knows too much about yeah, us. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and especially when it comes to what we turn to when the horizon of reality seems to bend and snap at the neck, such as this song that I'm talking about. And as embarrassing as it's been... Everybody it's knows this is coming. I mean, everyone, everyone knows. Yeah, it's been a godsend to have a vehicle for discussing my taboo love for the killer's debut masterpiece, Hot Fuss, of which I do almost every episode. And since this is my fucking party, right? I demand that we now break that fourth wall and finally spin the anthem of my people in its entirety. Mr. Brightside, hit it, DJ.
unfortunately. What do you mean, well, unfortunately? Uh, well, I, we might have cut this short because the cops are here at my house because <laughs> 60 white girls showed up while that was playing with a big old keg of jungle juice. That's right, baby. It's the anthem of my people. Um, wow. You know what this episode could also be named? What's that? Choking on our al Ooh. Pretty good one, right? How did you not have that already? I don't know. I mean, listening to it, I hear something new every time, uh, which is funny because I don't know how I listened to Granddaddy's AM 180 237 times, and Mr. Brightside didn't beat that by at least 200 spins. I just um, love it because we've been edging on playing that song all year. Oh, yeah. You, you, yeah. It's, it's come up so many times. It truly is the what? anthem of our people. Guess what, dude? I, I'm not embarrassed. I'm just going to go ahead and fucking own this right sure, now. Sure, don't be embarrassed. That's fine. I, it's hard for me to say I'm not embarrassed after just listening to Mr. Brightside naked in front of one of my best friends, right. uh, but yeah. I'm not embarrassed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, call me crazy, but <laughs> Mr. Brightside still fucking rips. Hot Fuss still fucking rips. Yeah. I'm- and... The fact that I've, I I don't, I, you know, I remember the first time that I was about to bring up Hot Fuss on this podcast mm-hmm. and I thought to myself, no, dude, don't do that. Like, you want to be cool. <laughs> like, this is an opportunity for you to be cool and maybe make some new friends. Anything, this is not the podcast to be cool. Like, we are, no, definitely we are just not. burying our dumbass <laughs> white boy selves right, right for you. I mean, we just played Mr. Brightside on a music And podcast. had a blast listening to I actually it, did. I air drum the whole time. Yeah. The mix still is, is impressive for... The, dude, everything is impressive about that song. Everything is impressive about that record. And all y'all haters, come at me. Yeah, I'm opening the door here. Come on at me. I gave him too much power this episode. You really did. <laughs> Actually, I took too much power for this one. This isn't Cam's fault, y'all. This is my fault. Um, but to digress and come off the, the hilarious tip, for number eight on my list, for my... <clears throat> year end flashback that ass up choking on our alibis mm. uh it's been <laughs> it's been incredible having the honor to bring some of my favorite la artists to the table right. for Goatworthy and crush over them somewhat secretly while sharing them with a slightly larger audience than just me and my desire you know which have included the french dance act Carré. oh that song's on my that song's on my top 40 as well this is not a band yes I yeah, love I'm that so song. glad the cartoon was fucking amazing. Uh, we, I don't know if you remember this one, but we brought in the sad goth synth wave of Nihilus Rogers. Oh, you remember right. that episode, right? Uh, and that was really cool playing his cover of Sharp Chest Man. Mm-hmm. Um, also, dude, I can't talk about this guy enough, and I probably do, but the instantaneously timeless rap funk soul art of Tolliver, right? Who just put out a new song called Say What that I recommend you listen to. I was actually going to bring that for Goatworthy until I saw this Granddaddy song pop up and I thought, fuck it. Um, But please listen to Tolliver if y'all out there haven't listened to him. He is soon to be one of the greatest things out of Los Angeles and already is as far as I'm concerned. Two Junico songs. Yeah, and of course, the somnambulant sun-kissed flavors of Junico Mm -hmm. and their effervescent take on ethereal songwriting like it, it's just i felt genuinely honored to seek out listen to and engage in that all important exchange of investment that is the sacred bond between maker and consumer with these rising stars of los angeles i can't thank you guys enough for your output and of course I just there's can't. the pod fest where nothing but locals that we love 
nothing but locals and that's good that's actually on my list because mm-hmm. who can make a year-end review list and not talk about the pod fest right but i just wanted to at number eight i don't have any clips i don't have any songs i don't have nothing i just wanted to thank those people oh i love that um thank you artists for allowing us well i guess we did it seek permission from all of them um <laughs> but thank you guys for cam and i know what it takes not only to write a song but to record it and release it and it's it's almost impossible it takes so, a lot out of you it takes a lot out of you and it takes a lot of of fragmented piece of pieces of you and your artism so the fact that we're just kind of here gushing about you uh feels really easy on our part after so much work that you guys have put in but we're grateful for you guys Mm -hmm. number eight is just being grateful for all of these local la artists that even through the pandemic have kind of kept this this hamster wheel spinning right you know um in a time where there's no live shows there's no real money to be made people are still doing it and they're still passionate and some of it's better than ever so Thank you. Yeah. Thank you guys. All right. So number seven, I don't, I I feel this is weird because this is a recent episode, but it was one of my favorite memories. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm going to get into this if you don't mind. So the musician's mistakes episode, right? Which was what? Episode two episodes ago, two episodes ago, episode 13. That episode was rehashing of revelations for me both in digging up old grievances from the past and as a reminder in some of the categories that i still find myself to be guilty of most notably the conversation where we had the conversation we had where you pointed out that in absence of clear roles or dynamics within a group madness and insecurity ensues absolutely and i'm gonna go ahead and just i mean i'm naked so i'm gonna continue to bear myself here Um, As predominantly a bass player throughout the gigs I've been involved in, it's been a really difficult line to walk for me. I imagine. Uh, The one between input and delegation, Uh uh, which is probably why I've been fired from a gig or two. And while I'll never desire to hold such a position again. The bass player's talking again. Right, exactly. (laughs) And dude, I've been been really... I'm just kidding. uh, No, it's true. I've been... I listened back to that episode. It hit me when you brought this point up. And you and I were so deep in conversation that I didn't really want to break that right. um, to be vulnerable about this. But I've I've truly fucked up in that regard. And and as I Me was too. listening 100%. back, yeah, as I was listening back to kind of collect these clips for us to play, I came across this again, and it means a lot to me, man. It not only means a lot to me that you brought it up; it means a lot that you that we can have open discussions about it and be able to be real about where we've made mistakes i feel like my number seven is kind of in line with yours let's talk about it uh it's similar i I have have a have a discuss a pre-discussed vision both creatively and with power dynamic and hierarchy like yes like are you in a band with someone where the lead singer writes the songs right. and writes what you do? Do right. you know that? Mm-hmm. You know, are and if so, are you getting paid? <laughs> do you know that is a really big question. Yes, and like, or are you in a band where everybody writes? If so, good luck. But like, that's yeah, awesome. Have fun with um, that. But like, you got to, and also, what kind of music are you making? You know, exactly. Right. Like, you maybe not need to have that discussion immediately, but no. like at a certain point, it's like, what do we want to sound like? You yeah. Know? Even I've been in the mistake where a band goes into the studio to record and has no 
preconceived vision of what right. they want exactly the recordings Every, to and everyone's kind of smorgasbord about it yeah, just then, so many different then opinions are coming out you haven't right. you know the discussion about what you want to even look like you know it's not a bad i, I feel like it seems vain but if you're in a band like discuss what you guys want to look like absolutely you know Th- no that's not i don't vain. think that's that's, I, that's part of I the package think, i feel like that's kind of like maybe an old macho thing like oh we don't really talk about it. but like these days like if you want to like you got to have a look like i yes. think the look of a band is more exciting and more something to focus on than the design of the instagram page do you think you know? the white stripes would have gotten anywhere at all if they didn't have their color scheme i mean it's so iconic it know? is very it's, iconic and it's synonymous with the group now too yeah. so like the fact you 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 don't have to it's it doesn't have to be a gimmick mm. the only thing that makes your project a gimmick is if you are a fucking gimmick yeah. you know if you're I not mean, being a, at all honest through your songwriting or you know tr- transparent through your art or your creativity it's going to show and mm. people are going to the know personality that. of a band's important as well the personality super important of a band also i i cannot tell you how great of a list uh input that was i mean it's it's difficult for people in bands because you know us being egomaniacal creatures um you know, the opinions get very combative yeah and to have a simple emotionally vulnerable conversation with your friend that you're in a group with or your cohort your whatever you want to call them um and just be like hey what do you need from me and what can I offer? Mm. And also, if you're a leader of the group, to say, like, I need you to back me up as opposed to, you know, cut me down or try to contribute yeah. too much. Or if I say, hey, I need this specific thing from you, you have to be okay with that. Right. Um, because otherwise, you're right. The vision is skewed at that point. Things become. Uh, it just feels like bobbing for creative apples at yeah. that point. And that's while you're in a studio or you're, while you're trying to cement this bond between either a songwriter and their songs or a band with one another, <laughs> you can't have that getting in the way. Right. Because that will split you from the inside. I know it was only a couple of weeks ago, but I, I uh, actually got more response from our fans on that episode than a lot of them. They, they actually, I thought, I thought maybe it would be like, oh, we're not being funny or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, but actually, like a lot of people were like, either like great advice from people that weren't necessarily musicians or other musicians, um, either like certain things about it or they were a little bit hurt by certain aspects of it, probably huh. because you know. A lot of people have been through a lot of this type of things, and, and you know it's it's uncomfortable to talk about your vulnerability as a musician because there's always is. you know a lot of times there's ego involved, and yes. you always want to think you're you're the you're the right you know you're the star musician that's going to change the world, but you know right everybody fucks up. It, the reason I and I got I only got one response because I don't have any friends minus you and maybe like two other people in my life. But my niece, right. my eighteen-year-old niece in Nashville, who's going to Belmont for not only music production but business. Eighteen, dude. She's the next generation. Right. Um, she texted me and said, "Oh my God, thank you, Uncle Al. This information is actually incredibly relevant to me and my friends." Which is crazy because you know I'm 32 and you're 45. Oh God damn it. Um, so the fact that my 18 year old <laughs> niece reached out, who listened to the entire episode, and it's and it hit home with her, means that maybe this is a universal thing. That, so you didn't that bring any clips of. All the times that you said 
my age wrong? No, but that's a great idea, and I might have to do that. Next There's no year. clip show of all the times you talked about not getting invited to my wedding. Where's that? Where's the? Oh, where are those dude, clips? I thought about that. I thought about that. But there's way too much to dig through. There is. That I would literally have to listen to every episode again. But before we move on from this musician's mistakes thing, I actually, I'd like to make an addendum to the list if we can, and I, I want to put something new that I failed to mention in on the, the number one slot. Okay. On the musician's mistakes list. Yeah, right. this hit me literally the moment that we hit stop on okay. the record button. Um, this, I've seen this happen. I've seen it firsthand. I'm not guilty of this one. Uh, maybe I'm guilty of being too far on the other side of this. But this is this is me replacing the number one slot with this. And that's artists, you are not better than your fans. Right. nor will you ever be. This equation requires two to tango, so don't ever feel that you can be one without the other. Respect, love, be patient with, and involve yourself with your fan base as much as possible, no matter the type of crowd you end up drawing with your interpretation of the fabric. Like, you are not better than your audience. I don't give a fuck who you In are. In fact, you aren't anything without your audience. You aren't anything without your audience. And I have come across this frequently. And it it's it's really upsetting to me. Um, so I just I wanted I wanted to make that known before we move on. Sorry to to uh, add to that point. I know a friend of ours um, told me once a story about their sister seeing James Murphy of LCD Sound System at a after party of some sort. Years Please back. don't tell me he was a fucking asshole. And she went up to him and tapped him on the shoulder, and he turned around. And she said, "Hey, I'm a big fan. Just wanted to say." And he told her three words he said get in line wow and that's that's the kind of shit listen i understand i think i've I've listened uh, to lcd sound system less since i've heard that story yeah and i don't like to be affected i i typically try not to meet my idols just because i don't want to go through that kind of thing you should kill your idols as they say yeah but that really bummed me out because i'm like how dare you you know this is where, and if you, if we were having this conversation with a large artist, say we were having this conversation with James Murphy, maybe their retort would be something along the lines of, hey, man, you have no idea how much I hear that. Or like, hey, dude, I can't go, you know, get a fucking, you know, triple macchiato without <laughs> someone telling me that, you know, I, they're my biggest fan. And yes, I get that. And I can understand that that can be a, a really tedious thing, but you have to learn. I'm sorry, man. Like. If you wanted to make music that a bunch of people listen to, you're almost putting yourself in a public servant situation, Mm -hmm. meaning that you have to deal with the attention that you're getting based upon the output of, of your artism. And because, because that makes it your fault, you also have to find a way around that. Yeah. So you can't just say, get in line. You have to have, even if it's hard for you to say, even if you're having a shitty day like we all have to have, you have to be honest. You either have to say like, hey, thank you, I really appreciate it, and then get the fuck out of there, or just, again, be a real human being like, hey, thanks, I'm having a really bad day, though. Like, can uh, thank you so much. I just, I don't know what to say to right. that right now. Like, that takes fucking absolutely no effort to just be like, God, I've thank you so much. Thing, um whenever i've played shows if someone comes up to me afterwards and compliments it or whatever i always say thank you and then i always ask the person's name and yes just just to personalize the idea that somebody was affected by your music and 
I feel like it's important to them that they know that I want to know who they are at all, you know, and, and I feel like that makes a difference. Just, it's so simple. Thank you. What's your name? You know, introduce yourself. I mean, usually that's it. And, you know, I feel like it's the easiest thing in the world, easiest thing in the world. Right. And now you and I haven't had to deal with this in like such mass of numbers. No, no, you know what I mean? We don't have five we're million retired. people trying to tell us. <laughs> we're Yeah. Oh, no. We had that in the past, but not anymore <laughs> since we're retired musicians. Um, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm glad we could talk about that again. Yeah. Uh, no. Because. Great. Because I know there are a few people listening to this right now that agree with me, and I I wanted to make that clear. Okay, moving on. Number six, six. Are you ready for this one, dude? Yeah, I don't think me. you are. You don't even know. You don't. You know. You, you don't actually know. have no idea what's coming. Do you see my nipples are hard right now? Though I, I'm trying not to look. You're... That means that something good is coming, and there I go with the coming again. Stop it. <laughs> okay, so six. I'm digging back into sweet memories that I've had about certain list of manias that you know that we've that we've come across approaching this now is hard because ladies and gentlemen are for our for our you know our, our fervent listeners out there cam decided last episode to up the production value of the podcast on our pop punk episode to bring you song clips <laughs> chances are we're going to be doing that uh-huh. much more frequently now where we're applicable but i just found it funny that we've had so many good lists and you choose to up the production quality on our pop punk list. So, have you ever we, heard a pop pop punk song? The production is high. <laughs> <laughs> I had to match it. Well, to be retroactive and to give one of these lists its day in the sun, like you just did with the pop punk one, I felt like this is revenge, isn't it? Yes, it is, my friend. So, guilty pleasures should rarely be aired out like dirty laundry, but in episode you seven, bitch. our entire list of mania dedicated to the premise of guilty pleasures, we went full tilt and threw caution to the wind, including the likes of I think we had Steve Winwood's Higher Love. Oh, big time. We had Orgy's Blue Monday, which, if you guys can remember, Cam famously stated no, was better yes. than the original. I said uh, better you, than you, or equal than. No, you said better than. I said better or equal than. That's that's the same fucking thing, Cam. All right. So let's go ahead and put him back on the cross for that one. But we also right. had Jennifer Lopez's Waiting for Tonight, Ashley Simpson's Pieces of Me, mm, and more. But the true gem of this particular <laughs> list which is still one of the greatest alternative pop songs ever recorded in the history of mankind is none other than the goose slide of which we're going to spin in its entirety again right now because i don't fucking care and this is my episode and goo goo doll slide is ah uh, you see me touching my nips right now i'm just prepping myself hit that fucking play button daddy hit it hit it
slide right into Al's trailer. <laughs> it would be also talking about listening to songs that hit a little differently when you're naked. This mm. one is... Yeah, watching you dance and sing to it while naked was something different. Hey, dude, you're lucky I didn't get up, if you know <laughs> I what I mean. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, I, I'm I sorry, dude. Up, I know that was painful for you. I know. <laughs> it was fine. I mean, it's to me, it's not even the best song on Dizzy Up the Girl, but it's yeah, not. I get it. I but get it. It was just, it was part of the list, and I just wanted to. It's, you're right. It's not the best song on Dizzy, but it was necessary of, to play. Did you happen to hear uh, Phoebe Bridgers and Maggie Rogers' cover of Iris that she promised to do if Joe Biden won the election? I did it, but I don't want to hear it because Iris is actually one of my favorite songs of all time. Yeah, it is can't it be improved upon. I, it isn't. It isn't. <laughs> you know, because she does it. She does it in a very like her own way. Which Phoebe Bridgers' is, way. Yeah, it's it's kind of you know a little bit softer. It's gorgeous. The vo- the vocals are gorgeous. But like again, the song can't be improved. Upon. No, it's the it's perfect. It's it's truly perfect. I don't even think she. I don't even know if she was in the right open tuning, and that's a big part of that. That's song, like right? it's like an open C 
C-sharp. Open B, I think. I think it's open B. <laughs> is Nobody it really? With that. I God, think so. fucking Resnick. I wish I didn't know that. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's really embarrassing. Talk By about embarrassing. By saying that, it sounds like I may or may not tune my acoustic guitar into that. To an open B? Uh, weird. <laughs> Just to see if I can play it. Um, listen, dude. I won't say anything. Oh, you won't say anything at all. <laughs> okay, so now you've gotten me back for the pop punk episode so much. Uh-huh. I've played Mr. Brightside and Slide on this right. episode, which are just two songs that are constantly running through my head at all well, times now they, I mean, I can't hear any Goo Goo Dolls song without it stuck in my head. That'll be stuck in my head for at least a week. Oh, yeah. At least and it's may- not Name. If it was Name, it'd be three Oh, months. dude, Name is... Fu- yeah, th- that's why I didn't play Name, because I knew that it, we would actually just shut the episode down. Like yeah. the list would have ended it. What what are we on right now? Six. It would have ended at six. Number five if we name. <laughs> number- <laughs> uh, well, listen. I appreciate you letting me do this again. This is going to be your. Time. This is going to be your least favorite episode, probably. I mean, it would be, honestly. I'm glad we're remote because it would be weird. The amount that you and me danced You're right. right just then to that song You're would right. have been weird face to face. That would have been awkward. Especially yeah. The, the the will they or won't they moment would have been finalized. You would have stood up if we were face to face. Oh my sure. god, I would have stood up. I would have stood up and started slapping. <laughs> slinging and slapping. Okay, never mind. We This is awkward enough doing this nude. We should we, I the 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 phallic jokes yeah, really got to cool down a little bit. Oh, I'm just come to an end. Feel, oh God, don't don't say that, please. You remember okay. uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Yeah. Uh number 2, The Secret of the Ooze. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh, of course. Uh, is that We watch it today and and and, and, <laughs> and watch Splinter's entrance, all right? And oh tell my me, god, I forgot about that. They're like they're literally like where's Splinter and he comes out of nowhere and goes coming to a decision. And I'm <laughs> not joking. There's that much gap in that sentence. And now as an adult you watch it and you're like, "What?" Mm, that's suggestive. Sorry, random tangent, but that still bothers me. It's okay. You can call me Splinter for the rest of the episode if you want to. <laughs> I might. <laughs> All right. Well, getting back to an air of sincerity, number five on my list, and this is something that I'm going to get to again during today's privilege check um, and expound upon a little bit more. But number five, privilege check has been increasingly educational, occasionally nerve wracking, and yeah. always beneficial as a segment that we've Absolutely. attempted over the and course I of. Thank you for two. bringing it to the Go Parade. It's it's very vulnerable for me because I I I, I don't. I don't know. Sometimes I'm not as intelligent in these areas as I wish I was, which Me is too. the whole point of it. That's, that is the whole point. And sometimes, dude, my articulation stumbles over itself. Like I I'm mean, a, you do better than I do. I just, I just, I just freeze up sometimes. So I, I'm, I'm freezing up right now, uh, <laughs> even just talking about it. But again, that is the point. And there's no savior complex here or anything like that. It's not like, at, at, it's not like we're solving the world's problems, but. It's it again. We've attempted this over the course of season two, and if we've been wrong, or you know, if it's as a whole highlighted our shortcomings as individuals within a process to eradicate some of the ignorance we've been complacently sold and ensnared by, it's it's either way. It's been a true privilege to, at the very least, approach these conversational angles and air some curiosities that have lingered in the back of the collective cultural conscience. But either way, the important, albeit small, tidbits I've learned in the journey still astound me 
like yeah. in episode 10 during our discussion about the true origins of country music and yeah, it's star favorite. yeah and it's star instrument the banjo the the, the banjo is a, a, as an instrument is a descendant of west african lutes made from gourds that were brought to america by slaves to become an integral tool of slave music and the culture wow. itself um so when Whenever you pay, whenever you see a banjo or hear a banjo, know that it started as something very different than it is wow. now. Okay. And after the truly unoriginal nature of white appropriators began spreading this heavenly tone to the white masses with disgusting exploitation of blackface shows. So a lot of white people saw this instrument that the black slave community was playing and they thought, hey, that sounds incredible. This instrument's really cool. I'm going to go blackface in, you know, neighborhood squares, community squares, and try to entertain people with this, Yikes. which is incredibly wrong on so many levels. Um, and this was obviously in the, the early 1900s that we're talking about here. Um, this gave rise to hillbilly music. Right. And that's what country music was called before it was called country music. Um and it would soon be rebranded as country music. That wouldn't happen until after the Second World War. But after this started happening with the banjo, the black community largely, and rightfully so, abandoned the instrument after it was taken from them to become this, you know, another oppressive symbol of their enslavement, mm -hmm. which is just like, like, how much can we take from a race and call it ours and appropriated like in real time to their faces and the banjo is just another thing like that yeah um virtually unknown too yeah uh, yeah a lot of people don't really understand that because again yeah, when we new, think country music when you think banjo you think bluegrass when right. you think bluegrass you're like that is white music that is white culture i imagine like yeah a white man with overalls sitting on a bale of hay precisely which is not at all where it came right. from um and must you know much like as I've said, much like most other genres that were built on the genius of the black artist community, white newcomers stole bars from slave spirituals and field songs and religious hymnals, and mostly left uncredited the musicians that were quote unquote allowed to quote unquote collaborate. And I emphasize the quotes there because allowed to collaborate on these songs is just. Uh, compl it completely adverse that you know these black musicians that were being left uncredited on these records wrote the songs yeah and then they were just completely left in the dust important stuff very important stuff and mm -hmm. again if we've been wrong or if we've stuttered or if it seems like we're trying too hard to do this, or if it comes across as insincere, maybe all of these things are right, maybe all of these things are wrong. This has just been really incredible for me to have a discussion with a friend very openly and vulnerably uh, to where I can feel okay about being wrong or like, again, stumbling through some of these dark points of like, you know, this, 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 this very complicated situation that we've let compound in this country. Mm -hmm. um, on the subject of race relations, and yeah. I just thanks, dude. Thank you for for thank letting you for it to the yeah. Table. Thank it's, you it's for been, letting us it's do been this. Extremely educational. It's it been has vulnerable. It's been touching. It's been tear jerking at times for me yes. just to even think about. So yeah, it's been a great great part of the whole whole experience, especially season two. All right, moving right along. Number four. Oh man, 
this is going to be a hard one to talk about, as we said that we wouldn't be talking about this particular subject after uh, really beating it to death a few episodes ago. But who could forget the heart attack I almost brought upon myself in Cam's opus to his complete obsession with one of the greatest bands of our generation? And who, Are you who, talking could, about for- who could forget the laying of the factual smackdown by yours truly when confronted with the deaf musings of my captor, Kid Acehole over here, oh, via means of on. knowledge and truth to forever put the rest, the amnesiac hate that spills over from your kind snobbish goblets into their eager gaping mouths that regurgitate nonsensical rebuttals to the greatest record's inherent genius, Almesiac. (laughs) Actually, who could forget an entire two-and-a-half-hour podcast where two retired musicians wax pure gibberish about a rock band? About over and over and over and over and over and over again you know See, what? i Let's... thought i thought you were going to bring in every time that we agreed and hit the paranoid android sample no but... because that would have been too little of work to do that, right, that totally. I, well you know what that episode we agreed probably more than we disagreed but for the sake of effect let's keep the argument going right no i, I do i did enjoy this well let's flash back for a second to hear me almost flatline over the subject mm-hmm. so I'm proposing a truce right now, and this is really what I want to get at. Mm. Um, definitiveness be damned when speaking of these two records as polarizing opposites or chaperones of one another, as they are simply two types of listeners attracted to the relative nature of both. Separate entities that were born under the same roof, by the same group, in the same sessions, who simply wanted to avoid, again, the didsness of making Kid A a double record. To disgrace one is to disgrace the other simultaneously as they are conjoined and cemented together in time. Let there be peace amongst these warring tribes! Ooh, you do get saucy in that one. I do get saucy in that one. And you know what? I think I keep my cool too. I I I think I'm just tired at that point because we're right at the end of a two and a half hour <laughs> episode about <laughs> and only. There was no lists. There was no goat worthy tunes. There was just two and a half hours of us talking about. You know what you sound like at the end of that episode? You sound like you're in a relationship where your partners you guys have been out all night and your partners are really drunk right and just saying a bunch of mean shit that's not you true want to get home you just want to get home and go to bed right and they're still berating you in the uber home yeah that's 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 modern head shows aren't that long <laughs> and they do three encores. Yeah, that's before we move on to number three. I want to stay on the subject of you being snobbish. Oh, um, good. Yeah. Oh, good. That even that sounded snobby. Uh, <laughs> because I feel like the episode really opened up our dialogue even more. Right. Uh, to where we we now really know each other's true colors, but in Definitely. a good way. So now we can kind of just keep laying it down the line for the listener out there. I'm actually just going to have a conversation with the listener right now. If that's OK, Cam, you can go ahead and take a step back. Oh, uh, so I've been kind of going down a pitchfork hole, too, and like trying to keep up with the kids and whatnot and, and learn some new things in the process. Hitting that hundred gex? No. Well, there's this record. Actually, there's this artist that I haven't really listened to all that much in my life, and Pitchfork called one of his records uh, that was released in 2007 uh, one of the most, actually not one of the most, the most important electronic album released 
of this century thus far. Mm. And even just today, I texted Cam, and this artist is named Burial, and the record we're talking about is Untrue. Again, Pitchfork called that the the most important electronic record over the past 20 years. And I, well, I, and this is, this is where I continue to break the mold and, and the format of the show. Um, I texted Cam again, this dude, Cam, get the fuck out of this conversation. This conversation between me and the listener. I texted y'all. I texted Cam today, quote, pitchfork called burials, 2007 effort untrue. The most important electronic album of this century thus far. And I'm still trying to figure out why End quote. Now, this is what Cam sent back to me, and it's a voice message, and I'm going to go ahead and play it here into the microphone so you oh, can hear God. how fucking snobby he sounds. Hold oh, on. God. See, Alexander, what you have to understand <clears throat> about burials untrue. Sorry, I'm, I'm just finishing my catering gig and I'm driving, but I'm just like, I just can't stand when somebody starts to get into untrue, but then then decides that, that it's too, I don't know, down-tempo or... Or sad electro for them. What you have to understand is 2007, man. It was a time and a place for Untrue, and Untrue delivered. Because Untrue isn't actually a dance album, or it's not an electro album in 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 the usual sense. What Untrue is is the sound of you raving way too hard and regretting everything and walking home alone at 5 a.m. in the London mist and seeing somebody, seeing the rest of the world already getting up and drinking their morning coffee. Well, you haven't even slept yet and thinking, what am I doing with my life? My youth is drying up and all I hear in my head are the reverberated sounds of another night of partying. That's untrue, baby. How snobbish does that sound, dude? All right. Well, you know, like I, you were so kind. You just mansplained this burial record to me today. You're like, hey, it's not actually a dance album in its traditional conventional sense. It's well, actually okay. <laughs> in 2007 when that album came out, it was labeled dubstep. Like that's what dubstep was. And, was that and, one of the first like considered dubstep dubstep records? Well, dubstep had a different definition before Skrillex and in modern dubstep. Well, it wasn't it just called like drum and bass at that point? Yeah, I mean and, it was obviously a much higher BPM, but I've loved Untrue since it came out. I've always been a huge fan, especially the the lead single Archangel. I think it's one of the best songs ever. Yeah. Um and I've just had uh, resistance and opposition my whole life. I can tell. I can, almost everyone I can tell, I've, dude. I've, 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 I almost have no friends who like it. <laughs> I mean, my, my friend Jay, who's in facial, right. he's one of the only guys that I could connect with Burial about. Um, Listen, every, I wasn't saying that wife, I didn't I, like I the record. Burial and she, she makes the Marge groan. She's like... Mm. I wasn't saying that I didn't like the record. All I was saying was, hey, this fucking snobbish outlet force this opinion upon me that it's one of the greatest electronic albums of the last 20 years this century thus far which feels to me like a really bold statement but you know what okay, well, well, that's all that's you, all pitchfork the best electronic album of this century so far uh the killer's hot fuss <laughs> <laughs> damn it you're good um, Perfect dancer a plus it, 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 it had to be um 
No, listen, I, it, it's not that I agree or disagree with Pitchfork. It's just the fact that every time I go into Pitchfork, they're making some crazy, bold claim, like this shot in the dark, like multiple shots in the dark a day so that they can be right about something, like a few different things. Like, we're going to go ahead and call this the best thing ever, and then we're maybe going to be right about it, but we could be wrong about it. But if we do it enough, we're going to be right about some things. Right, guys? That's what that right. feels like to me. No, that's I get you. I that's get what you. Pitchfork feels like to me. But I mean, even that is kind of old Pitchfork. Like, you know, Pitchfork now is almost like Rolling Stone. It's mostly pop music. I mean, if you look at their lists, their albums and songs from this year, it's mostly pop music. I mean, there's some good stuff in there, but um, really I feel like the hot takes are from Vice these days. Vice has got all the hot takes. Maybe that's the place to go. And maybe it's less snobbish too. Um, And you know, neither here nor there. I just wanted the I wanted to clue the listener in to what to the little voice memos we send back and forth to our to what our communications feel like to one another. To the rare times I snobbishly call you Alexander. (laughs) Yeah, I cannot believe you used my full name today. I thought I was like about to be read my report card or something. (laughs) All right, so moving on to number three. And we were talking about this earlier, and undoubtedly, one of our best episodes thus far was the Goat Parade Podfest Good, Good times, times During Bad Times, times Quarantine, quarantine Extravaganza! And this episode, in which we had nothing short of a litany of incredible voices emerging victoriously within the county line... Mm-hmm. Um, there were some life-altering contributions, we both know that, that I'm still shocked over, especially considering these geniuses were willing to hand them over to us, well, more you, but I'm guilty by association, mm-hmm. um, like Slugs' is GG now? Oh, big time. God I damn, still, dude. I'm like, where is that song? Yeah, I, I get I, why shivers, can't I put that dude, on playlist? I get shivers thinking about that bass line. Um, and Ben Haywood's performance of Giant Waste of Man's What to Do About Desire uh, was also really incredible. And Let's also not sleep on I'm an Owl by Echo Holden oh, Bell. Oh, Echo Holden Bell. Unless we forget that ultra mysterious project, My Imperfect Offering, with his anecdotal dive into the pangs of existential dissociation. Like that. Mm, well, th- thank you. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I, I, there's just so many. There were too many good things on that episode, right? Right. I but, mean, there was barely any time for us to talk. We no, were just there wasn't. gushing and, and But even then, music. we talked too much. Yep, of course. But for me, in this episode, and this is why I'm putting this at number three, the real shining moment of the episode, and possibly of the entire year, honestly, for me as a music listener, was being afforded the chance to play a Moon Honey B-side within the bookends of that excursion, as Jess Joy, the centerpiece and ascending artistic voice, of reason for that now defunct group is hands down one of my favorite vocalists ever of any genre and of any era. Like I can't, I, I I'm, I'm now out of breath just like even thinking about how many about things that I could possibly say, not only just about just joy, but you're, about this you're song, red. You, you, the rest of your body is as red as your nipples. Well, I, 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 you can see, you can see me. Yeah. I'm getting the <laughs> tomato face. I look like I'm about to dive into a salad and toss myself. Yep. Um, and I think we're going to go ahead and revisit this pan in full here in a second, but I want to shed some light on the song in a moment of appreciation with some information Jess originally provided me when she sent the song over for the Podfest, which in hindsight, I realized I had omitted because I was nervous and excited, and I think I ended up just complimenting her incessantly instead, which is 
basically what I'm doing right now. So Mm -hmm. Alex, shut the fuck up. And this is what Jess Joy had to say on the song Rose Colors. She expounds, quote, the lyrics are inspired by this Sufi poem where a person in love was going on a hunt and wasn't able to kill anything because they saw qualities of their lover in every animal. Oh, wow. And I find that to be so timelessly beautiful and just cosmically touching. And on that note, let's jump into the song. This is Moon Honey slash Jess Joy, Rose Colors. Let's go to the garden, all past his pardon, Shame. 
just joy. Rose colors, and I am so privileged and, and, and honored, we are, rather, to be able to play that again. Although I didn't ask Jess's permission to play that again. Hopefully that's you got not it once. To... You know, you got it once. I feel like that's forever. Oh, it's a it's a forever permission slip. <laughs> well, I mean the podfest is still up, so you know, why not? It still lives on the internet, like yeah. the cockroach that our podcast is. Right. It's just going to live forever. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, well you great. know what? Thanks yeah, for playing it, that again. I you know, I I felt it necessary. I've listened to that song a whole bunch since we did the podfest. And it's it's still one of my favorites to this day. And I can't say enough good things about that song or Jess. And I'm going to stop right there because you know how bad and incessant my compliments get. And if oh, I continue, gosh. oh, dude, it's going to be an accumulating spiral of conspicuous compliments. If I <laughs> if I continue this onslaught of, of, of pleasantries and niceties. So I'm just right. going to stop right there. We're, we're kind of getting towards the end here. I'm excited. Of, I mean, this has been the most unique list yet. I mean, definitely. I mean, you know that's what I'm good for. It's Al's mystery box, which again I shouldn't be saying as I'm as I'm nude right. in the box. Stop talking. Stop saying coming in box while you're how how naked. excited are you to not stare at my nude hairy body? I've after gotten this used to it. Over. You know. To oh, be you honest, have. Like, you feel comfortable anymore? I don't. I wouldn't say comfortable. That's a that's a stretch. <laughs> I wish that Zoom had a bearskin rug background. I, you can find one, yeah. Get a virtual. I mean, you're in a rustic trailer. It's enough that's true. Of a, I'm a cook close enough. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm about to film a porno right now. Yeah, <laughs> oh, okay, man. well, number two. Okay, so I'm very it, excited. Where I are you feel going like now? I feel like you probably know where I'm about to go with this, but in case you don't, let me uh -huh. preface it. Okay. Um, you know that repetition is hilariously annoying to me, right? Like at right. almost every episode, I talk about hot fuss. Every episode I talk about how you didn't invite me to your wedding, even though we were friends, and you had an open spot that you could have... Uh, acquaintances, sure. You you totally could have given me that open spot, uh, um, of which you didn't. No. Um, but I like to talk about these things. Right. Um, and again, I do it every episode. For number two on my list, which could be number one, but number one's just so much more important. For number two on my list, because you seem to be so fond of pet names, as uh -huh. you call Jess Bunny when you're not just calling her your oh, wife. Oh, now I know where you're going. It's only necessary that almost from the word go, I had a term of endearment divine to me to encapsulate everything that you are, present, past, and future. You know where I'm going with this? Yeah, I do. It's quite the term, too. It's more than just well, a pet name. It's, it's an entire... It's, 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 it's a classification, my friend. <laughs> where you were once known simply as Cam... In this human suit of skin you don, you have now transcended the boundaries of dimension and become a constellation only visible through Love the prism it. of smog that hovers just slightly over the bed you've made for yourself. Oh, wow. Gents and germs, ladies and louses, of course we speak of this legend in plain sight. This behemoth of mood and gloom. This concoction of hardened loogie and silk. The one... <laughs> The only mm -hmm, mm -hmm. sultry voiced post punk king of Los Angeles, Mr. Cameron Dumetric. And I believe. Let's hit him with a supercut. We put that supercut together. <laughs> hit it, baby. Sultry voiced 
post-punk king of Los Angeles, Cameron Demetric, back in front of, ladies and gentlemen, the sultry-voiced post-punk king of Los Angeles, Mr. Cameron Demetric. A sultry-voiced punk, post-punk king of Los Angeles. Mr. Cameron Demetric, the sultry-voiced post-punk king of Los Angeles, our our sultry-voiced post-punk king of los angeles the sultry voiced post-punk king of there it los is angeles. the, the yep. sultry voice post-punk king of los angeles Thank the sultry voiced post-punk king of los angeles mr cameron dumetric everybody oh yeah thank you wow i like all of those well i feel you can like tell that's... which ones you had a lot of energy that day and which ones you were kind of like riding low I like that, you know. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I feel like all the ones where I was riding low, I I feel like I start every episode being so shamelessly vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always telling you what kind of mood I'm in before I, I we even start the episode, which is ridiculous. I usually you, don't tell you when we even start, so I mean, you're just complaining about your day, and I'm like, so anyway. <laughs> the great thing about you, Cam, is that if you're in a bad mood or a good mood, you're in the same mood. Yeah, I, I put it on. I'm, you do I'm, put it on. I'm you're a true inside. host. <laughs> You're a true host. I'm glad we got that super cut together. That was only about six or seven of them. I there's got to like. be more, it, but but dude, um, it took me. Thank hours. you for finding those because I did notice from the timestamps that there wasn't a single one that happens at the beginning of an episode. No, so you really had took, to do some digging. Again, it took me hours to put that together <laughs> to find all of them, and in the process, I was uncovering you know some other favorite moments of unfortunately which did not make this list, but I had to listen to quite a bit of our past mm-hmm. uh, in putting this together, of and course. I recommend you know this whole list is about getting our listeners to go back and revisit some of their favorite episodes right. too. You know, this maybe is something they missed. That classic Wayne's World flashback. Yeah. It's it's I'm just so happy that I've been able to 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 give you this to to give I, you this I'm, trophy. I'm glad I have this supercut. It'll it'll put a smile on my face when I'm feeling down. You know what's really going to put a smile on your face is when you're standing in a CVS one day and someone leans over and they're like, "Holy shit, you're the sultry voice post-punk king of Los Angeles." That would be wild. I don't think that's ever going to happen, but It's I love going to idea. happen, dude. Especially when we get picked up and make a whole bunch of money, you know what I mean? Right. And of course, I won't tell that person to get in line. No, no, you're going to you're going to autograph. You better start practicing your sultry voice, post punk king of Los Angeles autograph. That's a lot of cursive. That? Yeah, that's a lot In of cursive? cursive to master. I'm, I'm oh, terrible yeah. with. Oh, no, dude, you're you're a musician. Of course, you're terrible with cursive. There's no but, Z's in there, so I think I'll be fine. Yeah, you're gonna be okay. <laughs> Uh, but it, okay, so that for number two again, it could be at number one, but number one is just so tender and endearing and lovely and number one is simply on my list on my flashback that ass up on my it's my party in a life i want to on al's memory lane drive-by looting on our almost anniversary Mm -hmm. number one is simply just becoming besties oh i know number one that's my number one wow yeah that's because that's too you beautiful. have i mean you dude you're obviously not only the soldier was voice the reason post-punk. for this podcast secretly it was know? and you've let me be your co-host on this journey sometimes you're overly verbose co-host um <laughs> where i do I way too much talking way. i'm i'm glad that you feel that way uh i feel like sometimes secretly you you don't like me for that but it's okay <laughs> we don't we don't have to especially in the editing process i'm sure you're 
sitting there away from me Just at home. Like, I got to get a new co-host. This like guy. this is this is just too much. He thinks we're friends. <laughs> He thinks we're best friends because he has no other friends. I don't know how to tell him that I only keep him around to be the co-host of the Goat Parade <laughs> podcast. No, no, that's a beautiful number one. On a I sincere note, man, like, you, you know, and as I was uncovering the that super cut for number two for the Sultry Voice Postpunk King of Los Angeles, I uncovered or came across or happened upon a conversation that we had, I believe in our first or second episode where we were talking about the whole journey of us becoming friends. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it was, it was such an LA thing. Like you and I would share a stage together or see right. each other at a show or run into each other at the bar. And we're like, Oh man, we got what, hang, what, where's our friendship. Yeah, and like we did that. that we, we literally did that for like a year. Yep. That's um, that flaky Los Angeles acquaintance shit. Yeah, which is really funny because our surrounding group of friends are also good friends with either one of us. So it mm -hmm. should have been super easy to fall into this rapport together, but it took so long. Well, it's beautiful that during a pandemic it happened, you know, because if anything, this should be the year where you grow even farther apart from acquaintances. But we managed true. to become closer than ever. And we managed to have a group of people listen to us bullshit about music for yeah. an entire year. How sad is it going to be when the world opens up and you go out again and you see someone you haven't seen in a year and they're like, holy shit, Cam, how was your quarantine? How was your, how was your pandemic, brother? And you're going to be like, well, I, I guess I became good friends with Al Moore. And they're like, who is that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, you mean the co-host for the Goat Parade? That's how people know me. They right. know you as the sultry voice postpunk king of Los Angeles, but they know me as the overly verbose co-host of the Goat Parade. I like obviously. the overly verbose co-host of the Goat Parade. I yeah, like that. it's an oh equally my God. long did, name. Did we just did we just don me with that? Did Ladies we just adorn me? That is the year in review from our overly verbose co-host of the Goat Parade. Oh my God! I can't believe it. I've got a trophy. Yeah. I've got an if anything, we got that, that out of this that's, out of this episode. We got yeah, if, if anything, I mean, yo, we've gotten a lot out of this list. We've mm. gotten Slide, we've gotten Mr. Brightside, oh, we've man. gotten a couple of memory dives. I mean, this has truly been the most fun episode, of course, because it's all about me. You know <laughs> what I mean? All about the overly verbose oh, co-host of the Goat Parade. Goat Parade. Oh, this is so exciting! <laughs> and when we start season three at the top of next year, you get to say it every episode, yep. and maybe if we make it. Because you never know with relationships these days. Right, if we make it to the end of another year, you get to do a year in review and you get to put a super cut together of the Overly Verbose co host of the Goat Parade. And it started today. And it started today. You oh, heard it beautiful. here first, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Well, thanks well, wow, for letting me do that, man. Thanks yeah. for letting me be your co-host. Thanks for just allowing me to be a part of this journey. Again, I know you probably regret it to a I certain degree. I told you degree. to get creative, and you really did. You delivered. This is I a delivered wild for, kind of stuff. For the first time in a long time, I delivered. And if you made it this far, if you listened to Slide and Mr. Brightside, I you know thank people you, have <laughs> the listener, for going <laughs> You don't have, dude. This. They're going to be thinking us, my friend. All right, well, that's enough of that list. Uh, that's enough of that list. I think we've had too much fun. And now let's approach my last installment, or at least topic to the table, of our priv check. Privilege check. <sighs> okay, I've got, I got something for us today. Mm. Admittedly, this might be a little confusing, too, because... Mm, the irrelevancy of the subject might be a little infuriating for some people, including myself, um, because 
not only does this priv check include two past occurrences that are long bygone mm -hmm. about this particular subject. It's also something that we collectively should know. And I believe we do know societally speaking. Right. Um, but this is, this priv check is more or less about forbidden vocabulary within and outside of music and art. So, yes. and before, before we even start this, I know we've gotten, we've gotten some love mail and we've gotten some hate mail. Right about our priv check and I so feel like that's the way it should be you know like we're if we're if we're doing it right you know it should ruffle ruffle some feathers maybe i don't right. know right exactly as a disclaimer on that too it's not like our opinions matter no we're on just this we're just you know looking into it and trying to um assess our own privilege with with these subjects but like we usually say we don't have much conclusions or answers we just you know, checking our privilege. Checking yeah, we just want to be here for the conversation. Right. Um, and you have two different songs that you're kind of dissecting here. Yeah, d dissecting or just maybe even more for, for uh, a bit of comparison. Right. Um, some relativity here because... This this subject is kind of close to home. Something happened to me or I was a part of something uh, around 2012 that has been lodged into my mind. And this particular occurrence is kind of flared up every time I listen to one of these songs. Right. Um, because it just kind of reminds me of this, of this time and this curiosity I had. So let's get to it. Today, I curiously and maybe... I guess objectively would like to look at two separate incidents of white men using the N-word in song. Right. Um, and mull over the question, even though it's not a question, right. of its social acceptability being limited to a case-by-case -case scenario, or if it should be, which again, I believe it is, banned completely into the category of forbidden language, right. uh, even without the boundless leeways that art tends to provide it's artist. Right. Spoiler um, alert. These neither of these are acceptable. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Period. Um, and we're going to be coming from, I guess, maybe some different angles of like, well, do, why did people think this is okay, and why were people upset about this? Yep. But either way, in the end, you know, let's clear the air here. This inquiry is me coming from a place where a word that is not yours to use should never be used. Yeah. Yeah, Especially, it's just day, completely unnecessary. Completely unnecessary. Not in public, not in private, not in the shower, and not as a quote. It's really easy uh, not to use. <laughs> so easy. And in the litany of excuses, you know, an example, I didn't mean it that way, or I'm not racist, or it was only a joke, or in our case, more specifically for this check, the art demanded it. Which is insane. Uh, it's mean, so fucking insane. I've heard thing, people, I've heard people cases, say that. It's it's. Both of them are unexcusable, but one seems more insane than the other to me, for sure. But Absolutely. that's what you're going to explain. Exactly. I feel like these things only further contribute to the toxic racist sludge that permeates every facet of culture. And I pose this or these questions about this problem with these two centerpieces we're going to get to um, that are, again, both admittedly outdated and arguably irrelevant at this point. But since we're all still working to eradicate confusion with biases piece by piece, with every challenge and hold of accountability we come across, confront and wish to halt to slow the eroding of intelligence, both of the emotional and sociological kind, I figure we might as well at least observe the subjects from afar, looking back at both of them from the current time of a better understanding. Right. 
So again, this is a topic that has been lowly simmering in the back of my mind for about eight years, 2012. Uh, I was at the time playing in a new band, heading out on a tour that would eventually meet up with a larger band to support them for a few dates around a record they had just released, uh, which would become a run of dates mired in lower than usual attendance, much to the astonishment of the band and promoters involved. Which could be, I'm not drawing a direct line here, but it could be a possible example of cause and effect that we're going to get to in a moment um, after treading some more comparative waters and and providing an anchor to be able to revisit this exact tour that I'm talking about. Um, So first, let's examine one of the most influential artists of our time and possibly of any other era and his track one, side one, epic off of one of my uncontested favorite albums in the history of mankind and that's bob dylan's 1975 effort desire mm-hmm. uh desire is a great record i don't know if you've listened to it oh, yeah. i don't know if yeah it's it's an incredible record it's a smorgasbord the song hurricane correct yes, yes. yeah that's track one side one and that's what we're going to be talking about and i feel like the listener already kind of knows what we're getting at here because if you've heard hurricane and or if you're a dylan fan um you know what this song is about. Yeah. And you know that it uses a word that should have been used. Um, but back to the record, it's kind of a smorgasbord of a record overall, but it opens with the 11-verse, eight-and-a-half-minute celebrated protest song, Hurricane, which chronicles the wrongful conviction and subsequent imprisonment of boxing legend Reuben Carter. Right. Uh, so we all know, I think at this point, we all know about Reuben Carter. You know, it, it, he's been, he, it, because of and overall, his... overall, the song is a positive thing for this fight uh, against his oh, incarceration. Yeah. No, Hurricane, especially since but Bob Dylan was... Yeah, nevertheless. Especially since Dylan was incredibly popular in 1975. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would argue that he's still obviously popular. He's become more of this 39th album this year, and it was critically acclaimed. It's insane. But 75... I believe it's in the ninth verse of Hurricane, around six minutes. Sometimes it's kind of hard to count verses with Dylan. Um, where he punctuates a narrative about the ensuing trial of Carter with the N-word. Right. um, Which is the word that could be considered the focal point of today's conversation. Um, And I'm going to give this, I'm going to give the string of lines surrounding it of which I I just want to provide context uh, of what we're attempting to discuss. So here's the ninth verse. All of Ruben's cards were marked in advance. The trial was a pig circus. He never had a chance. The judge made Reuben's witnesses drunkards from the slums to the white folks who watched. He was a revolutionary bum and to the black folks. He was just a crazy expletive. No one doubted that he pulled the trigger and though they could not produce the gun, the DA said he was the one who did the deed and the all white jury agreed. Yeah. It's just like, it just seems like you don't even need that where you could say a crazy one or like, crazy loon i don't know there's it just doesn't even seem necessary there except to rhyme i guess uh well you know it seems like dylan is trying to accomplish a few things here maybe one to utilize a negatively purposed term of control and enslavement to bring his point of divisiveness home Mm -hmm. two to accurately portray the grotesque sentiment of the time in regards to the social upheaval he was known for documenting and advocating for throughout the entirety of his early career. Right. I mean, we have to keep that in mind about this tune, too. Dylan started singing songs of freedom. You know, that, of that took up the majority of his catalog uh, up until this point. Um, or three, at worst, and I don't think this is it, looking for something to rhyme with trigger, as you just <laughs> right. said. Although this is the least likely possibility... 
as he someone is calculate concerned with rhyming. <laughs> no, he you know you're absolutely right about that. And you're right, dude. He could have said fool or loon or bastard or like you know it could it could have been it could have been so many other derogatory terms. Uh, speaking of you know an entire community observing one of their own um, who had acted you know irrationally, um, but. As someone as calculated as Dylan was, you know, never letting anything out of his guitar or the studio until it had breathed to the point of consummate articulation, mm-hmm. the, the, that kind of brings, brings about the real basis of this conversation. If you know it isn't yours, how do you justify taking it? Yeah. That's, that's one. There, there's a few different questions that I'm going to pose. That's the first one. Um, but it makes sense, right? I mean, in context of the song, and even more so of that particular verse, the intent and objective is clear. Yeah, it's, um, it seems like uh, it's trying to get away with it through um, painting a picture of history, which, like I've discussed with you in, in like Hollywood film, I feel like Quentin Tarantino tries to do that a lot, especially in his more period pieces or like with different actors. But I feel like even in that example, it always falls flat. Like it does. And it like also, hateful from, eight, I feel like without right. the use of that word constantly, it actually would have been a better movie. I find it, it incredibly yes. distracting. It is distracting and it's almost masturbatory. Absolutely. It seems like Tarantino, uh, feels like he is giving himself a pass yeah. which i feel like the white which community nobody did. <laughs> right exactly and i feel like the white community tends to have that pass be self-imposed um like they feel like what they're doing is so important that they have all rights to be able to use this word with abandon and that's just not the case and i feel like the um, second or rather example it shouldn't be the case. you're going to bring up is more of what we're just saying there right yeah um and and thinking about like this Dylan before we we uh, take yeah. a small break from Dylan, I, it feels like you know, and even in this whole segment, you know, at large, uh, privilege tech. Who am I? You know, a young white male who didn't live the didn't live through the racial equality tumult of the '60s and '70s, such as Dylan did, and who has never solely faced a single day of such pre- prejudice or bigotry or senseless racist violence due to the lottery of privilege of being born into a skin that is considered a safe norm. Who am I to judge a voice of our generation on his usage of a forbidden word that he likely meant well by? But that's like that's where this segment gets strange for us because it like we're not we're not trying to speak from a pedestal here. Right. Um, you know, this isn't our throne. We're just again trying to to understand. So this is where we'll jump ahead about 31 years to another example for comparison, which begs maybe even a more important question of this particular segment. If one artist does something for any reason whatsoever and is not properly questioned for it, it leaves the door open for successive generations of artists to follow suit. Right. Uh, which is this, uh, you know, and this, we can only imagine this group we're about to talk about were Dylan fans um, who maybe cited their inspirations as paths paved to a place where they are impervious to culpability, uh, even when they've knowingly propagated an inflammatory principle for the sakes of being taken seriously or being heard correctly in their art. Right. So in 2006, six years before I was on this tour, that was, again, lowly attended and uh, you know a little problematic for this group, um, a duo rising in popularity by the name of Two Gallants released their second studio album, 
the first on Saddle Creek, uh, by the name of What the Toll Tells, which included on it a reworked cover of an old Moses Clearwater Platt song uh, entitled Long Summer Day. Um, I find it frustrating a, that it's a cover to... Uh, it just yeah. makes it even oh my god more it does make it necessary and it makes it more unnecessary i mean it would have still been inexcusable if if it was an original song 100% maybe even more so or this rather, now falls into the um the what we were talking about last time the the cultural appropriation or assimilation by covering a black artist and using that word exactly um and this is an appropriation when you take a word again back to that question if it isn't yours how do you justify taking it? Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of like that that that's an undercurrent of appropriation at large, right? So this Moses Platt song, Long Summer Day, that they covered on this record, is a scathing ballad against the slave driving workforce that engulfed his time of nineteen thirty three, which is when the song was originally released. And lyrically it set out to admonish the lazy hypocrisy of white men obsessed with segregation and dominance. Not necessarily an odd choice for them to cover. A band to watch that had seen success and who were poised to be indie darlings amongst the dog and pony blogosphere and whom were originally lauded due to their interpretation of like genres as the covered song. You know, they were bluesy, they were folky, they were, you know, old timey in that regard. So the idea of covering the song wasn't shocking, but not. No, it doesn't seem like at its base value, it doesn't seem shocking at all. It almost seems, you know, like a perfect match, Uh if you will. And. You know, and that's not to say that two gallants weren't, you know, aware of the racial inconsistencies uh, of this country and weren't championing, you know, the marginalized community. I, I can't say that because I am not them um, right. and I don't know where they were trying to come from. But but the fact of the matter is, is they come from San Francisco and they're white boys. <laughs> exactly. Um this, this particular piece was written by a black artist to express anger and frustration over the de- devaluing of his existence at the hand of the oppressors that plagued this country. And it contained the dehumanizing term that, you know, Moses Platt's community had been weathering as a symbol of hatred and diminishment. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, a term of which they chose two gallants in the studio as two white males who were well-read and well-educated with a faculty and agency to make informed decisions about what is theirs and what is not to cover the song line for line, line without for a removal or replacement of the word that was again written originally by an artist who was coming from a place of unmatched experience in comparison to Tugalant's as it was Moses Platt's actual reality that he was facing not merely a perceived reality or a circumstance that could simply just be you know sympathized with a fact which reintroduces in this conversation the conundrum of knowing when to be genuine or blatant in your art and also knowing when you've simply become another cog of prolongation right okay uh, uh which i feel like they did yeah you know uh can i read you this expert from the the pitchfork review of that of that oh uh, yes i'm glad you I, I didn't i didn't note that one so i'm glad you brought that up it it's kind of it's it's pretty it's pretty slanderous it's yeah, pretty it, scathing it, uh with the it, last it, it, it the is. last paragraph says two gallants repeatedly complain about critics not getting them but a persistent oh failure God. of interpretation usually signals an initial failure of expression. The critic's job isn't to explore what an artist was trying to do, but what they've actually done. And this is it. A couple of white, 20-something San Franciscans singing, The Summer Day Makes a... 
expletive, feel crazy. A line destined to be belted out by carfuls of indie kids at the top of their ironic <sighs> lungs. Is this healing? You decide. See, that's the problem. That and, and Pitchfork nailed that, you know, yeah, so expertly. Uh, because if you put uh, back to that question, if one artist does something, the, an, an artist who adores said artist will continue to repeat that as history repeats right. itself. If it doesn't get and, called and checked. Right. And if the fans of Two Gallants heard that song, they probably, especially if they're not aware or not as intelligent or sensitive to these problems, they would hear that song and think, oh, Two Gallants did it. I'm a fan of Two Gallants. Therefore, I can probably say this too, which is a problem. Right. And we're going to get I'm to that in a second. an artist or if I'm quoting an artist like, what's wrong with me doing that? You know, I didn't say it. I just, exactly. And that's, yeah, that's where this is extremely. Right. And I can't wait. I'm going to bring your point home here in a second okay. because yeah, it's the, the, there's something at the end of this that just kind of sums it all up. Um, or at least to the best of the ability of this, you know, particular conversation. And, the differences in these two occurrences, Tugalance and Bob Dylan, uh, which again, we're only discussing here to exact what is best for us to do in these times, you know, through a scope of a historical lens, which has inevitably contributed to our being here at this point in time, where mistakes are bound to repeat themselves if we're not constantly striving to grow and change with said growth, are even more elaborated when you begin to dive into the press rumbling surrounded them, as you just brought up, right. the, you know, the Pitchfork article. Um I did so much digging and obviously the internet has become a thing since 1975. Um, I couldn't find any public controversy surrounding Dylan using the term. That's interesting. Using the word, which is really interesting. I even found quite a bit of outlets, I guess, backing him up. Wow. Uh, on it, which, which again is strange. I, and I, I couldn't find if those particular pieces were written, you know, by the black community or the white community. So I didn't even touch them. Um, I, Hurricane assisted in helping eventually free Reuben Carter, right. right? By bringing the erroneous incarceration to the forefront of the public eye. And it really made him, you know, a household name, which did assist but in his. An exploitive in the ninth verse of the song wasn't what did that. <laughs> no, you're right. It was the entire song and it was the concept of the song, which is why, you know, Dylan, who should have had a, a right mind about him, he could have realized that, that that word wasn't, that wasn't the tipping point. Right. Um, and, you know, hence another foundational unanswered inquiry as I don't wield the power to answer such a question and it is as it is not my word or your word or any of our community's word, nor is it societally beneficial for me to adopt the word under any context especially in this check, but does the song's alliance with the movement allow the words unobstructed passage? Mm. The answer to me is no. Yeah, no. And it's obviously to no, you, yeah. it's no. And to a lot of people listening, it's no, especially since we are now living in 2020 and through everything that's happened this year. Uh, if you didn't know before, you know now. Right. Um, so it's that's just one of those questions when I started this and I said I was confused about some things. That's one of those unanswered questions for me. Again, and, I can't answer that. I mean, it is not my Bob word. Dylan, he's a lyric guy. He he should do better. Like that's just how You're I right. feel. I mean, as a, such a renowned lyricist, it's, he should have written that down, looked at it, and been like, you know what? That's not necessary. There are 17,000 other words that I can say to yeah. convey my point right now. I couldn't find anything on Dylan using it. Again, the internet's changed. You know, cancel culture is a thing now. Um, 
so there people are pretty hot off the biscuit to like either come to defense or to admonish I, someone even the two galants example i feel like would be way more scathing today than it was in 2006 oh my God. It, it, yeah no 2006 you know we were still kind of approaching these things in 2006 but not half as you know feverishly right. as we are now and i think that's i think it's great i think we are i like i believe in cancel culture right. um i believe that even you know and, and for the people against cancel culture it's not to necessarily put someone on the fucking stake but to let them know that they've done something wrong so they don't do it again if we don't stop these things in their tracks they're just going to continue yeah so cancel culture is really important on a global scale to be able to do that Absolutely. um do not listen to the new ryan adams album <laughs> No, just fucking, there are 23 other artists who sound exactly like Ryan Adams who do it better than Ryan Adams. Yeah. You don't have to listen to Ryan Adams anymore. I, you know, and that, that speaking of cancel culture quickly, like I was a massive Ryan Adams fan. Uh, al albums like Love is Hell and Heartbreaker and Gold, you know, a, a lot of these <sighs> records actually, I know they, a, a lot of them actually, well, okay, I, uh, so sorry. Uh, this is a tangent, but um, I, I am embarking on a, a quarantine journey of my own called the listening have i told you about the listening no you haven't it's where i am going to listen to all of the records that me and my wife own and you probably have a lot of ryan adams she does records, yeah don't you? <laughs> she sure well, does that's because jess and i have the same taste and so i started right at the beginning at a and i just got i just hit a wall of ryan adams just hit a huge yeah. wall of it you know what man yeah you know burn them trash him or give him to someone who doesn't give a shit yeah. but again there are there are so many other artists who came before and after ryan adams who aren't gaslighting manipulative fucking ass hats right. you know what i mean so like there, there should be there should be no sadness here i, mean, I have a lot yeah. of memories with those records well i listen to them and i'm like i just want to listen to wilco this is wilco's a way better Ex version sure of yeah exactly but like you just have to find it within yourself now that we're on this tangent about cancel culture before returning to the priv chat like you have to find it within yourself to have the strength um and and the wherewithal to be able to say you know what this obviously served its purpose in my life prior to but now that this information has come to light i can move on without this person in my life right like i can i can continue to grow without this anchor in my life i share a lot of memories with those records that i don't listen to anymore did it hurt in the beginning sure because i felt like i'd been had right like totally. we all feel like when one of our idols gets canceled but guess what dude life fucking goes on and you become a better person when you start removing those factors from your equation um okay back to the priv check uh in retort to some negative press and accusations as you were just talking about the pitchfork article to about this two cover the accusation was that they were borrowing otherness, which is exactly what they did right. in the song. Um, not only covering it, but using the word. And I think the usage of the word is the true borrowing otherness. Yes. Um, uh, the, the band gave a rather dry response on its website, stating that they didn't know they couldn't, quote, write about our country's embarrassing past, end quote. Oh, I saw and that, that they could, uh, yeah, And that they couldn't write about anything other than, quote, the trials of two pale-skinned urbanites who have never known a day of struggle in their lives, end quote. Well, that's what you write about. Get creative, boys. Yeah, just reach inside yourself. So what they're saying is that they are unable to be artists without appropriating an old 
cover song. I don't. It's it, that's, that's what it, it doesn't seems seem like, like a good me. argument to me. No, it's it's a it's a very moot argument, and it actually just kind of adds insult to injury. Yeah, um, they shouldn't have done that. And I know things have changed since 2006, and I know things have changed even when I was out on the road with them in 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of things have changed, but the fact that they chose to respond that way only kind of highlights the problems with the white community and their sensitivity to being called out for appropriation. I don't necessarily want to keep hammering these snippets of he said, she said either, just for the record, as too much discussion of any one incident, especially one that happened 14 years ago or in 1975, would miss the point entirely. I'm only bringing this topic up because I believe it's something that still bubbles toward the surface not only in a slew of different artistic mediums, but in everyday speech. Mm-hmm. Um, and the freedom of expression, <clears throat> especially that some privileged communities use for purposes of evil, um, kind of brings me to feel like, you know, at its zenith, this topic isn't just about Dylan or Tugalance and reckoning with how the past always affects the present and reanimates in distorted ways to bring full circle this breath of a word and the continued wind of society catching it to hurl it tumbling still into the future to rest upon the lips of another mouth and repeat itself. It's about an ongoing war with this sect of racist verbiage that gets negatively appropriated by the offending culture after a power or rather after the power of autonomy and independence has been won back by the oppressed culture such as this word that we're speaking of is for the culture now after it had won it back from its oppressors to use freely we can't use that word you know but the marginalized culture who you know, it was being used against, that's their word to use. Right. Completely. Um, and I feel like that's a lot of the white community's problem with the word, too, or arguments. Like, well, they use it. Well, it's like, yeah. Right. Because they had been enslaved and ensnared by this word, you know, to me, for it seems so simple. <laughs> decades, centuries, you know, like, it seems so simple, right? And this, this kind of, like, hints the implications that you know, if one person does, the other follows. And we can be certain in knowing that two gallants were fans of Dylan, as we were talking about, because who isn't really? But especially so in their chosen genre. Right, and like a folky Bay Area duo, of course. Exactly, they're, they're right. They're Dylan fans, Dylan. you know, right. And perhaps they were trying to evoke the same exact principle when they made this cognizant decision to not only cover the song Long Summer Day by Moses Platt, but to also step into its meaning as imposters to the cause. Right. And again, like, I don't excuse either of them, but the two Galants no. cover definitely didn't help anyone get out of jail who was wrongfully Fuck accused. No. Exactly. So. It did. It actually did nothing. <laughs> did not. Like, them using that word. Again, you can cover the song if you want to empathize with the song, it but using that a, word did... A- it got them a 4-8 on Pitchfork, so, you know... Uh, oh, is that what they gave the record? Yeah. As they deserved. Right. You know, like, That's I don't know what one. else to say about that. Yeah, like, it's... But... Okay, so like confusion aside, all of these things, kind of all these spinning plates of this conversation, this is kind of where it sums it up for me. With all these things now being discussed, inconclusiveness is still kind of tumbling heavy in my mind. Uh, But I decided when I was doing research on this to break the emergency glass and turn to the internet for answers, which is maybe what I shouldn't have done. Mm. But this, a question was posed four months ago from a user named Kylorin1217 on Reddit. Okay. Um, that I found deep in like a subreddit page about Dylan's example um, of, of 
of the the word usage in hurricane. So this Reddit thread was about hurricane, and <laughs> uh, it it, it kind of it brought the debate in my mind to a crawl, and it finally got me closer to concluding this roundabout attempt of explaining why this is harmful through examples in music and how maybe it isn't truly beneficial. This type of vocalizing being acceptable only when used for what we may deem good versus evil. So this. This is the problem. This is what Kai Lauren twelve seventeen said four months ago about Dylan's hurricane. Quote, I don't care about Bob Dylan saying it. I want to know, as a white person, can I sing along with it? No. No. But the fact that four months ago, this person on Reddit is still asking that question is, in fact, the problem. Right. That's the fucking problem. And that's where if we don't talk about Kendrick it. Kendrick was clear if, about that a couple of years ago. So I, I don't know. Maybe. What do that, you mean? Kendrick came out and said in an interview that uh, white people cannot sing along with his, with his phrases no. that use that. And I, th- I was like, yeah, easy. And I sing along with rap all the time. And I just yes. I bleep myself. I just you omit just that part. You just don't say the fucking word. You just don't say the fucking word. Yeah. Like, it's not it, hard. I don't understand. It's not hard. And the fact that this person, again, only four months ago, I don't care about Bob Dylan saying it. I want to know, as a white person, can I sing along with it? Right. That also begs the question, what is so fucking important about you being able to say this word? Yeah, are you doing? Are you going to karaoke and sing Hurricane? You're like, all right, settle down. This one's nine minutes. <laughs> I don't <laughs> like, see a situation where... And this is, where we, this is why we talk about this, because we still have people on Reddit four months ago asking if they can sing along with this shit. Right. Um, and this is where we finally reach that age-old problem with the white community wanting so desperately to own something to be a part of something that they've been rightfully locked out out of you know since the word was taken back by its community and held sacred by hands that never asked for it in the first place and that my problem with the white community is that if you give a mouse a cookie it's probably going to ask for some milk exactly right Just so like perhaps born we into a certain amount of privilege and then you're told that you can't say something why you're going to be like well no way yeah. So perhaps we, as this generation who's striving for the betterment of equality and correctness in our daily lives, should be resolved that no matter the reason for protest or for misguided inclusiveness, for accurate documentation or for effect, it should never be thought appropriate to use ever again, as it will only continue the string of people defending their intent by drudging up examples of those who came before them. We have to stop this fucking shit right now. Yeah. So very long diatribe of a privilege check just to say, don't say it. <laughs> don't say the fucking word. And then, you know, lastly, for the communities that impede upon others by assuming property that they do not possess, whether you think you're right or know you're wrong, just don't say the fucking word. Whether the art requires its presence or whether the desired effect would lack without its historical prominence, just don't say the fucking word. Easy. And that's all I got to say. <laughs> wow. Okay. Cam, this that has is been a year in a review if I've ever heard this. One. This has been quite the journey, my man. It really has. Quite the journey. And, you know, we said we were going to keep this episode short. I knew we wouldn't. Uh, uh, I don't know. This this actually might even be up there with what, some of our longest or longer installments. Yeah. Um, mean, I'm sorry. It's almost at length. <laughs> no, don't say that. Hopefully you bleep that oh, one out. Uh, well, thanks for letting yeah. me. Thank you for being. My overly verbose co-host of the Go Parade. The Go Parade, my sultry-voiced post-punk king of Los Angeles, baby. We have one more of season two of the year, um, and that's my year in review where I'm going to do my 
top 20 of 2020. Oh, I can't wait. You top know. 20? I'm only going to play play 10 of them, but uh, you know, I'm going to go through my top 20. Well, dude, this has been great. Again, thanks for letting me just totally open the vault of Al's mystery box. Thanks for staring at me naked for like over two hours it's been so at this long. point. Thank God you did. And, and just for the record, Cam has not seen the 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 Christmas package. I mean, staring um, at you this long has has uh, provoked some curiosity. I'm not going to lie, oh. but I'm not I'm not going to advance on that curiosity, especially you know while we're remote and my wife is right behind me. Yeah, no, no. Let's let's not subject Bunny to that type of uh, <laughs> atrocity. Um, but uh, for our Patreon members, again, you guys have been so incredible this year. Thank yes. you so much. I hope you enjoy your nude, if you or half nude rather. If you decide uh, to 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 get it from Cam, it will be your option. He will not force that upon you. Um, and again, thank you guys for contributing and for, and for interacting yes, with us at, so at times we've been lonely and you guys reaching out our Patreon members has been incredible this year. And we hope that we can give you an entire another year of, of, you know, B minus content. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah Cause well, we're not a we're plus gonna, dudes. We're hope for a B average next, next year. You yeah. Know? Yeah. B average, B average is fine. It's better than passing dude. It's yeah. better than just passing. Absolutely. So. Uh, well, Cam, thanks, so thanks again, brother. And uh, we'll see you next episode for your year in review. All right. Well, that's the Go Parade out. Mm-hmm.